In ancient times, man roamed the earth in a constant state of hunting or being hunted. Introducing Caveman, where cutting-edge science meets ancient super nutrients. Secure your bottle right now at InfoWarsStore.com. You're listening to Resolution Radio. ResolutionRDO.com You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program. And here to guide you through the murky waters of the political cesspool is your host, James Edwards. It's our third broadcast of the year, and for the third consecutive night, we are overwhelmingly busy with some fantastic guests coming your way. 2023, we have gotten off to breakneck start to the new year, and it continues now as we travel all the way over to Bavaria with our good friend Sasha Rossmuller. He is a writer for the German magazine. Pronounce it for us, Sasha, so I don't butcher it. <laughs> of course, it's an honor to do this. Uh, it's Deutsche Stimme, uh, Voice of Germany translated. There you go, and it's a fantastic one. He's the vice chairman of Europa Terra Nostra, and he's joining us live, as I said, from Bavaria, where it's just past 1 a.m. this evening, uh, early morning Sunday for him, to discuss the recently purported Reichsburger plot to overthrow the German state. Now, that's how it's being presented, or how it was presented last month when this was the thing. And uh, Sasha and I have been in contact for a few weeks. Keith Alexander is here with me. And we want to get to the bottom of this with a guy who won't lie to us, unlike the international globalist media. Let's just ask it this way. Is it a tinfoil hat operation, or was it really a serious thing? It it was it was anything but serious. It uh, it's an it's an insurgents uh, insurgents hoax at. Uh, Probably you also in in the uh, U.S. media heard it a little bit that then the, it was the beginning of December. The, the it was the in post-war Germany's largest anti-terrorist operation to date, ostensibly to prevent a coup d'état and insurgents. But the truth is another. In reality, the to put it short, the government's propaganda apparatus merely needed its own January 6th. Nothing else is the German December 7th. That's what and I was going to say. It sounds like your version of January the 6th. It's they had one in Brazil. This is a worldwide phenomenon now. <laughs> yes, yes. It's the glo- globalization and insurgent hoax for propaganda purposes. <laughs> See, in America, January the 6th was basically grandma and grandpa strolling through the capital. Now, we did talk to our correspondent down in Brazil last night. What was going on there may be a little bit different and a little bit more authentic. But let me just read here very quickly if uh, Sasha would indulge me. As I just mentioned, he is also the vice chairman of Europa Terra Nostra, an organization to which I belong, and you should check that out too. We'll uh, talk to you more about that tonight as well. But this is uh, from The Guardian, so again, consider the source. But this is pretty much on par with how this situation was being presented by the globalist collective media the reichsberger plot sinister plan to overthrow the german state or a ragtag revolution and i'll read just the first two or three paragraphs here 
The strange tale of a right-wing plot in Germany highlights, and again, as Sasha just mentioned, this uh, was taking place, uh, this story broke last month in the month of December. The strange tale of a right-wing plot in Germany highlights the extremist threat the country faces. The time to forgive and forget had passed, the gray-bearded man said in a heavy Bavarian growl, his uh, back facing uh, the Adriatic Sea as he calmly gesticulated towards the camera. Those people who bullied us, who locked us up, he said, were about to face a reckoning uh, and an upheaval that would usher in a new judicial and political order. Change was imminent, a matter of weeks. If everything goes according to plan, we'll do it before Christmas, the man, who called himself General Eater, promised in a video uploaded to a website popular among far-right conspiracy theorists on Advent Sunday this year. Again, this was all last month. Ten days later, the story continues, in the early morning of Wednesday, 64-year-old Maximilian Eater was arrested in, the, uh, in an Italian city as part of Germany's biggest ever series of raids against right-wing extremism. Along with 25 co-conspirators, Eater uh, was accused of hatching a plan to overthrow the state by violent means in Germany, install a shadow government headed by a minor German aristocrat, and reach out to Russia to renegotiate post-Second World War treaties. Even though none of the coup plotters were well-known public figures, their social backgrounds did raise eyebrows. They included family doctors, judges, gourmet chefs, and opera singers, so The Guardian tells us. And several of the ragtag bunch of wannabe revolutionaries seem to have been radicalized in the comfortably well-off, respectable center of society. So, Sasha, that for anybody, and I told you before we came on tonight, a lot of people were asking me to cover this story. And you were the only guy I wanted to cover it with. You're in Bavaria, you're a truth teller, you're a straight shooter, and you're a journalist. Uh, so we had to wait till we could get you on. We had a couple of dates that didn't work, vice versa, but here you are. So what is going on? Make sense of that story for everybody listening. Anything real to it, any truth to it? Tell us, and I know you already gave us a little bit of a preface, but tell us exactly what happened and what didn't happen. Yeah. First of all, uh, it can often be observed that uh, adult people who have not been interested in politics all their life long, when they are immediately uh, provoked by injustice uh, to become suddenly politically aware, then for the first time, then easily become radicalized in their anger. Often to the point of being uh, unserious and partly uh, partly that's the case here also uh, regarding this Reichsburger scenery. Uh, moreover, the mainstream media here in Germany, like everywhere, uh, likes to pounce on particularly verbally radical or even bizarrely behaving persons, even though they usually have hardly any followers. Whereas on the contrary, free thinkers who can demonstrate a certain reach via various platforms are left out of the media because uh, they do not want to promote reasonably presented uh, criticism. And we we witnessed uh, in December 7th uh, the, uh, these uh, anti-terrorist uh, operation, as they call it. Uh, 3,000 police officers were deployed and searched around 130 properties. In order to polish up the matter as an act of supposed counter-extremism, by the state, uh, they fell back to they fell back terminologically on the German Reich, and spoke of the so-called Reichsbürger citizens identifying. What, what a surprise! With the Reich, yeah, but what a surprise because they had uh, several decades time to uh, derogatively uh, smear uh, that uh, that uh, that atmosphere, and so it's uh, it's useful for uh, propaganda. 25 people were arrested, and what did they fi find? They, they found uh, prepper accessoires, 
they found a few thousand euros in cash and some uh, alleged weapons but under the regarding the firearms only i think 10 firearms which were seized have been illegal firearms and age-wise age-wise the allegedly foiled coup d'etat government is made up of pensioners uh, led by a, a 71 71 I was say, it's all those Nazi officers come back from Argentina in mass, right? <laughs> maybe, and that's that's uh, to uh, that's to, dis to describe uh, what what has happened on on uh, December seventh, and to understand uh, to to understand that situation, one shouldn't uh, just read the the, uh, the the gossip mainstream media. One should uh, take a step back. And look at the situation and make a uh, enlightening uh, comparison that I will do in this uh, concern. For this comparison, let's go back to the year 2060. Or hold on, let's, let's go back there, let's, Sasha. Let's wait right until the, mu the music and then go back. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. You got it. We will go back there with uh, the German journalist Sasha Rossmuller live from Bavaria tonight, talking about the purported Reichsberger plot. I'm Michael Hill, president of the League of the South. I and my compatriots are Southern nationalists. We seek the survival, well-being, and independence of the Southern people, our people. The League wants a South that enjoys the sweet fruits of Christian liberty and prosperity, but our current situation won't allow it. We must have our independence from Washington, D.C. and the globalists. The present system cannot be reformed. Without independence, we will continue down this path of destruction. To us, this is not acceptable. I'm asking you, Southern man and woman, to join us today to free the South. Call us at 256-757-6789 or see our website at www.leagueofthesouth.com. God save the South. Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies. John 8, 44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then the more they use the lie, the more spiritual power they get. Look, the media is a lie multiplier, and this multiplication gives more evil spiritual power to the beast, and that can overwhelm and even deceive the body of Christ, especially when the body is being disobedient to the head. The churches today are incorporated, so they're subordinate to human government. They obey the beast and do nothing to restore our national relationship with God. And the government shall be on his shoulders, Isaiah 9, 6. That verse is not for the present-day church. Rather, it is for the end-time church, the body of the Lion of Judah, a message from Christ Kingdom Ministries. said, ladies and gentlemen, I want to give it to Keith Alexander for a quick question, and then Sasha wanted to take us back a couple of years. Uh, when this whole so-called Reichsberger plot became international news in December, a few weeks ago, a lot of people said, you need to cover this, you need to cover this, and uh, we're just now getting to it. But uh, Sasha has sent over to me an incredible outline that I'm going to 
follow for the rest of the interview, and uh, we're really going to unpack this the right way. Uh, Keith, a very quick question. What role, if any, has the German government played in this? Is this a false flag? Uh, is it, uh, you know, it sounds like you've got your version of the boomers, uh, you know, supposedly populating this revolution, and it just, uh, for some reason, it's I, it, we've heard this script before over here. It seems like. The... Uh the government, I think that the government was uh, was somehow uh, I involved because uh, if you take it serious, uh, above all, one must not forget that the prevention of a terrorist uh, insurgence is an operation of a highly sensitive nature. The planning and execution uh, of which is subject to the highest security precautions. In other words, something like this undoubtedly uh, is labeled under the category of top secret. However, surprisingly, the quoted sophisticated quality journalists of the mainstream media, they were on the spot exactly in time to deliver the most impressive pictures, though uh, that, that's evidence that they knew everything beforehand. A scoundrel who suspects evil, such as a stage theater. And uh, so far, it's, uh, it's, it's, I'm, I'm convinced that uh, the government uh, was, uh, was involved, uh, at least, by the way, uh, to, give, uh, to give, info, give forward the information to, to their synchronized uh, mainstream media. So, Sasha, you, I'm looking at your outline right here. Again, we're talking about you, getting some on-the-ground comments regarding uh, the goings-on in Germany, regarding this international media spectacle and you're saying that yes there were arrests and we've already talked about the media propaganda here but that perhaps it was a hoax in so much as the powers that be cracking down on these people to use it as an excuse to further suppress you know it sounds like gretchen whitmer the governor of michigan saying that uh some militia members were planning to kidnap her and whatnot yeah. and we found out it was all dreamt up by the fbi yeah is that is that what's going on here it's just a, a, an excuse to further suppress right-thinking people in Germany? Yes, yes, I think, uh, I, I think so. It was a, uh, it was uh, implemented as a, as a, to, to make a media campaign. On the one hand, to intimidate the uh, fundamental uh, opposition, because critics then were simply put in that particular corner and on the other hand, to push the enforcement of the rampant uh, autocra autocratic policy uh, for further restrictions. And uh, tellingly, the Minister of the Interior, Mrs. Faeser, for example, immediately spoke, about, uh, spoke out in favor of uh, tightening the laws regarding weapons. And in, in future, she, will, uh, she, will, uh, she plans to, uh, to ban uh, crossbows, for example. However, I personally doubt that any insurgents or coup d'etat has been carried out with a crossbow, at least since the Middle Ages. And uh, <laughs> uh, slingshots uh, next. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, to make what I what I wanted to exp uh, to to, to yes. explain with a comparison uh, before uh, before the break, uh, let's Please. go back uh, to, to 2060. Back then, a really uh, coup d'etat, a really insurgents attempt, failed in Turkey. He failed despite being equipped with about 8,000 soldiers, 35 fighter plans, 37 helicopters, 74 tanks, and 200 
of 46 armored cars. And the only things missing up to now in Germany are the rollators and the wheelchairs that were intended as getaway vehicles. For me personally, it's unclear why, uh, why the Bundestag of all places should have been stormed after, after every session broadcast proves that hardly anyone is present there. Uh, and working, we all know the the pictures of uh, of the, the the empty seats there. And if but if they, they if should you, have stormed Davos instead. Yeah, if, if you do, if you make this comparison with the the failed uh, insurgents in, in in Turkey and how equipped they have been, and then you see uh, the, the 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 pensioners with uh, a little bit uh, uh, prepper accessoires and a few thousand euros. Uh, that's uh, that makes the whole story really um, more than more than ridiculous. I thought they were showing up for a, a Oktoberfest party. <laughs> well, how did they? How did? Let, let's just say that this is, and this is certainly more believable than a group of people that didn't have any weapons. We've again, as you said, Keith, we've heard this before. Going to overthrow the government. How did, in your opinion, Sasha, the powers that be, or whoever wanted to tie these people into an alleged conspiracy? How did they zero in and focus on this particular couple dozen people? Uh, was was there just some chatter that they didn't like coming from these people that led them to get targeted, or how did that I, manifest? I think one intention is uh, to to ridicule the the uh, broader uh, protest uh, movement here in Germany because. Uh, it's not always it's not always uh, very serious what what came about uh, those uh, Reichsburger groups and it's it's easy for the uh, for the government to handle them because they are not uh, not uh, that much and uh, they are very uh, fragmented and uh, a, a lot of them a little bit uh, sometimes uh, bizarre in their uh, political appearance and uh, so it's uh, suitable uh, as an uh, to instrumentalize it to ridicule the protest uh, unfortunately uh, if we uh, if, if to, to give a uh, to give the audience a picture about this reichsburger movement unfortunately the political right not even the civic conservative right uh, is not a majority within the political landscape in germany and much less the genuine ethno-nationalists tragically however the so-called reichsburger movement is indeed a, a marginalized group which I personally would not even label as a movement due to its highly uh, fragmented inhomogeneity. Why inhomogeneity? Some of them are constitutional monarchists who refer to the constitution of 1871 when the German Reich was founded after the French-German War. Others uh, refer to, the, to that constitution but in the status quo of uh, 1918. Some others appeal to the constitution of the Weimarer Republic. And moreover, there are the ones who plead for a national uh, assembly and a succeeding referendum for a uh, fully new constitution uh, today. And so you see how fragmented uh, this uh, little group is. And to, uh, to push that as the, the threat uh, for the German stage, uh, that's laughable. That's a laughing stuff. It sounds like what we have over here. They, they, they've set up a straw man revolution that will be easy to knock over. Uh, you know, it's uh, like, for example, they pick our media, pick various people to be the big 
insurgent threat like the Proud Boys. In other words, a bunch of homosexuals are going to turn, uh, you know, take well, our government over. Well, I don't think over. that's – I think you might be confused about that. I don't think the Proud Boys are that, but – What they're trying to do, they're trying to get a group. They, and they always identify somebody that is easy to pillory, somebody that is easy to put down, somebody who is kind of – Goofy, okay. And well, that's I mean, what they're yes, looking you know, if we if we had this precedent set in the Charlottesville trial, where you, you, people who have never met and never even spoken to one another can still be charged as co-conspirators, meet, meet for each other, uh, meet each other for the first time in the courtroom. Yeah, that's right. So uh, there's there's a lot of that going on, and I liked what you said a moment ago, Sasha. That was very interesting to me. A lot of times when you're talking about homogeneity, you're talking about racial or cultural homogeneity. You're saying that the people involved in the so-called plot in Germany didn't even have the same legal homogeneity. Uh, they they favored different forms of government, but yet they were supposedly all coming together uh, to <laughs> overthrow a government. That doesn't make sense. No, that that, that doesn't make sense. What the media and, and government is doing here is. Uh, they they make an elephant out of a fly and then make make use of a, a sledgehammer to crack a nut for producing uh, for producing a, a, a story and ridicule a a a, a, a discussion. Uh, Any opposition to the government is therefore focused upon this group of nutballs. Keith, I may have been wrong in my own right a moment ago. I was thinking of Patriot Front. You said Proud Boys. I think Proud. You know, Gavin McGinnis. That's a, anyway. I don't want to sidetrack from the discussion. You might have been more right than I was. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Sasha, so has this – got about a minute to break, and I want to I want to switch gears ever so gently and talk about issues pertaining to German sovereignty. But it, what is going to be the end effect of what's happened in Germany over the course of the last month, the media attention and the government crackdown? I guess it would be a chilling effect on efforts at reform, legal uh, efforts at reform, yes or no? That, uh, that that that's 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 hard to say. Also, I think uh, that they they uh, they won't be will be able to distract the protest movement uh, with this hoax uh, as far as they wanted from the side. Of the Hold on, right there, my friend, Sasha Rothmuller, back with us right after this. Exposing corruption, informing citizens, pursuing liberty. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News. I'm Dave Collins. A Florida woman who was barricaded in a hospital room is facing first-degree murder charges after shooting and killing her terminally ill husband. The victim, Jerry Gillen, was planning to commit suicide inside the Daytona Beach hospital room, but didn't have the strength. His wife, Ellen, shot him once in the head before barricading herself in the room. The SWAT team used a flashbang device to distract her. She was taken into custody. No one else was injured. President Biden and Republican House Speaker Kevin McCarthy will discuss the debt ceiling. Speaker Kevin McCarthy immediately pretty much responding on Twitter to that invitation about a meeting at the White House saying, quote, President Biden, I accept your invitation to sit and discuss a responsible debt ceiling increase to address irresponsible government spending. Capitol Hill reporter Julie Serkin, earlier the president had said he was not going to negotiate with Republicans on raising the debt ceiling. The $31.4 trillion debt ceiling increase is all about money Congress has already approved. I'm John Schaefer. 
Tourist entry to iconic Inca site Machu Picchu is now suspended due to the ongoing unrest in Peru. Julie Ryan has more. Officials made the announcement Saturday saying visitors who have a ticket for January 21st or later can claim a refund for up to one month after the end of protests. Nationwide protests left 30 people injured this week and over 10 people were arrested in the city of Puno as things turned violent. Peru is seeing some of its worst political violence in recent memory as protesters call for new elections. Lisa Marie Presley will be laid to rest at Graceland tomorrow. Fans tell NBC News they wouldn't miss the moment for anything. When Elvis died, I was 15 years old, and I remembered the impact of that. When I found out that Lisa Marie passed away, it was like, I need to be there. Fans will be able to view the gravesite following the memorial service. I'm Jeremy Scott. This is USA News. So right now may be the perfect time for you to rethink how you pay for health care. And here's why. Not only is it open enrollment for a lot of people, it's also a time you can join MediShare and save even more than usual. And it's true. The typical family switching to MediShare saves 500 bucks or more a month, which is obviously huge for a lot of people. But what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to health insurance. Double. There are 400,000 members. They've shared over $4 billion in medical bills. And it really is a great community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. And here's the thing. If you join MediShare Complete right now, they'll waive your new member fees and you'll save an additional 10% off all of 2023. That's right. No fee to join, 10% off every month of next year, but it's a very limited time offer. You have to sign up before January 15th. Great savings, great health care. Find out more. Call now. 833-34-BIBLE. That's 833-34-BIBLE. 833-34-BIBLE. Okay, back uh, now with Sasha Rossmuller live in the very early morning hours in Bavaria, Germany, to talk about, well, what we've been talking about, the so-called Reichsberger plot. Uh, Sasha, I want to move quickly to issues pertaining to German sovereignty, but you were answering a question right before we got cut off by the last break. What do you think protest movements in Germany look like going forward from this? Does it dampen the prospects, or is it just a blip on the radar? I think, uh, think in, uh, uh, in a momentary uh, view, it, it can uh, it can chill down as you as, as you called it. However, in the in in the end, finally, I'm I, I'm sure when observing the development here on several uh, sectors and the accumulation of crisis, I assume the pressure of problems is higher than the distraction strategies of the government in the end. Who is the real opposition to the status quo government in Germany now? If it's not these uh, pensioners of Reichsberger, is it something else? Uh, the the opposition is an, an opposition in in in, in growing and, and slowly becoming aware of uh, its uh, status as an opposition. That's more the 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 economical medium-sized uh, citizens, uh, the ones who 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 have something to lose, who are not uh, down uh, on, on, on the bottom, but the ones who have to lose something, but not uh, part of this uh, purpose community of That's the right. plutocrat That's oligarchs. Right. That is a fantastic answer. That is exactly the kind of thing I say. That's, that's the people that are going to be the ones who move it, but you're still going to have to have somebody uh, that steps into the moment from... Uh, 
you know, sort of an elite level. It's uh, a lot of revolutions. Most revolutions are top down. Who, who are the legit, incredible opponents of the status quo? Uh, is what we're asking. I'm sure that's what. Uh, see, they always try to set up a, a straw man or somebody to knock over. Uh, that is, you know, just they beat their chest and say, "Look who we beat." You know, we we've beaten them back. We've been beaten back all the opposition, but it doesn't sound like the Reichsburger thing was anything near the real opposition. No, no, that's a uh, uh, that that Reichsburger movement is is isn't at all any danger uh, to to the to this government. I think the the in in uh, parliamentary terms, the alternative uh, for Deutschland is the AfD is 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 mm -hmm. uh, currently, especially in, in the in the eastern part. Uh, the, the the political party who has some uh, who has uh, success but uh, won't reach majority and and uh, up to now they don't cooperate with them. However, in in some parts in the eastern part of Germany, uh, for example in Saxonia, there is uh, a movement uh, which maybe in the next parliament there in Saxonia we will see two right wing. Uh, uh, um, parties. It calls the Freie Sachsen, Free Saxonians, and they are uh, much more uh, genuine, patriotic, like the AfD is. And they they are also not only a, a political party; they are more a party in the sense of an anti-party, uh, an anti-establishment, and and they ha and, and uh, they. Uh, they don't. Uh, they don't have uh, the these rituals of distancing uh, with others, and uh, by and, and by this they uh, they can uh, connect more to uh, to uh, movements or political currents uh, who do another work in the cultural or in the in the metapolitical uh, sphere. And I think that's uh, that's an an, an interesting uh, development. And because uh, it's interesting because it's not focused on just one strong man who can uh, who can be uh, uh, broken uh, by the government uh, that's that's an interesting uh, development we will we will uh, see the next years here in germany i'm glad you brought that up that's interesting to know that there are legitimate political parties that are running and having some success that are that are there and looking after the best interests and putting the interests of germany first so, which leads me to the question i wanted to get to what is the situation regarding german sovereignty since World War Two is it still sort of like a vassal state of of its NATO of its and, and conquerors, Israel? or is there um, is the it question? The is question it seen by Germans as its as its own state? <laughs> uh, yeah, the the, the uh, how do you say it? Uh, John Sixpack, or how do you say it? The, the ordinary man uh, who is not uh, much. Joe and James Sixpack. Yeah, James Sixpack. Yeah, he uh, the the ordinary man who is not uh, uh, much in politics uh, sees it as a, a quite normal state, I think. Uh, but uh, the ones who uh, look a little bit behind the curtain. Uh, they become aware that uh, there's uh, something wrong. And the question of German sovereignty, or more precisely the lack of sovereignty, is uh, to consider regarding two or respectively three uh, aspects, uh, especially if we try to combine it with our main topic of this Reichsburger movement. It's one aspect is the historical one, another the uh, current constitutional framework, including an examination of claims on paper and the reality and as a third the, the consequences of the current real politics on the uh, on the in, internet international level and there it uh, with this uh, 
with this discussion of sovereignty, here it becomes also to, uh, we come to the platform of the regime of the of the discussion of the political system or the the, the political order. If we also want to include it with this uh, Reichsburger uh, scenery, in connection with the justified question of sovereignty and in view of the historical censure in Germany's political life that occurred in 1945, some regime critics raised the question of the current constitutional legitimacy. Uh, unfortunately, that principally interesting debate is not always conducted in a serious manner, but sometimes takes on uh, bizarre forms. Uh, to be honest, most who get into or often even celebrate that quite theoretical debate do so without focusing on a somehow pragmatic value. Not to be misunderstood, I'm by no means suggesting that this debate has no justification, but only that if taken up, one should strive for a real politic uh, approach uh, to that complex. And But if you imagine, if your country is occupied, and uh, not self-determined regarding essential aspects, then you easily, in particular, if you're an, a patriot, you easily can become emotional and uh, be seduced to look back to the status quo ante for a solution. However, after close examination, I personally came to the conclusion to defend sovereignty first and foremost in the here and now, not in retroactive trench warfare. After more than seven decades, and today, facing dissolution by globalization all around the world, it is necessary, first of all, to take the existing nation-state as a starting point, instead of declaring it null and void, the more that Brussels already serves the letter in declaring nation-states null and void, tragically. Nevertheless, not to lose the political compass, uh, it's important to know about some historical facts, uh, that are unfortunately largely unknown, but uh, I think uh, more than the the debate about the constitutional historical development in Germany, which is interesting, and perhaps we can delve in if we uh, if time allows. But more to uh, to put it to focus on that point, I think it's today much more important to defend people's sovereignty against. Brussels-based EU centralism and supranational NGO usurpations of competence than to question statehood itself, even if it undeniably may have its respectively deficits. That reflects often results just from hastily confusing statehood uh, with, uh, with, with, with government and notwithstanding a certain potential for optimizing, at latest since the EU's Lisbon Treaty, the nation-states the German nation-state's supreme basic law must be protected from defamation or undermining, at least in our, in our, it's not called constitution, in our basic law, our supreme law. There is still written the term from the German language, the term Volk, which is usually designated particular, the ethnic people and not just the population. And that's my real politic approach while maintaining historical consciousness. And to end this, by the way, let us never forget one thing. In the end, even before any code of law, it is first and foremost about the pre-constitutional sovereign, and that's the ethnic people, period. Yeah, people should remember that that was Hitler's 
uh, plan, Ein Volk, one people. He wanted to get all the German-speaking people of Germany and their lands under one nation. Uh, let me ask you this one question, which has kind of been hanging uh, over my head about this. What do normal German citizens feel about the destruction of the Nord Stream pipeline? I think that uh, even if they mostly uh, just informed by the mainstream media, I think that uh, more than the government like or are critical to that development because they see that uh, the, the green uh, energy policy is a program for deindustrialization. Hold on right there. The great Sasha Ross Mueller. We're going to give you or ask him to give you all of his contact information, the various places you can find him. I wasn't intending to bring up the issue of Russia and Ukraine vis-a-vis Germany, but we might get into that in the next segment. also want to talk uh, with Sasha about some other issues going on there uh, in the German state. He's joining us live from Bavaria. Hello, we'll TBC be- family. It's James, and I've got to tell you that I sleep better at night knowing that there are organizations like the Conservative Citizens Foundation. The purpose of the Conservative Citizens Foundation is to promote the principles of limited government, individual liberty, equality before the law, property rights, law and order, judicial restraint, and states' rights, while at the same time exploring the dangers posed by liberalism to our national interests and cultural institutions. The Conservative Citizens Foundation also seeks to educate the public on the dangers of extremist ideologies like critical race theory and cultural Marxism. I've worked with the good people at the Conservative Citizens Foundation for many years, and their work comes with my complete endorsement. For more information and to keep up with all the latest conservative news headlines, please check out their website, MericaFirst.com. That's M-E-R-I-C-A-1-S-T.com. MericaFirst.com. Do you know what is great about America? Ask an Immigrant. Ask an Immigrant is a new podcast dedicated to helping Americans, especially our youth, value, appreciate, and be grateful for the freedoms we have here in America. Join host Lydia Wallace-Nuttle as she interviews immigrants from around the world to discover their inspiring personal stories about why they came to America. To learn more about why America is the most prosperous, greatest country in the world, download the Loving Liberty app or go to lovingliberty.net. Small Business Tech Guys is a team of experts ready to assist you with any service relating to growing your business. Our team specializes in information and technology, social media, general consulting, and HR. We thrive on assisting startup entrepreneurs with growing their businesses. If it's small business, it's our cup of tea. To schedule your free discovery call today, consider sbtechguys.com. We keep an eye on tech so you don't have to. sbtechguys.com. Back with Sasha Rossmuller, and uh, we want to thank him again for staying up so late to accommodate our listening audience this evening. Always so great to have him on. A brother uh, from the other part of the Western world, he is. And Sasha, let me ask you very quickly. I want to get into what happened in Berlin on New Year's Eve. I want to talk about the surge of asylum demands in Germany. The world keeps on spinning in Germany, that's for sure. Uh, But just give me two minutes on this, if you don't mind. Uh, the situation, we're now about a year into the situation between Russia and Ukraine. Uh, Keith was asking, what's the average German citizen think about the Nord Stream pipeline? A good question, especially as we're now in winter. But what's the average German thinking about the issue between Russia and Ukraine, or do they even think about it? 
yes of course do the the people think about it and uh, i think uh the, there is a great uh they're frightened uh to be involved as, or in this war in a way that uh, this it could uh probably uh maybe uh, expand uh, the they there a lot of people are frightened uh on being on the threshold, on the door, uh, knocking on the door to World War Three, uh, especially after discussing now delivering uh, more and more uh, weapons and and de delivering uh, Leopard uh, tanks, for example. However, that's also uh, uh, it, it's <laughs> the situation is nearly absurd. We, uh, it's a it's it's an an, an absolutely uh, de desolate uh, status quo of 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 our. Of our military here in Germany, we are badly, badly equipped. Uh, however, we we sh we shall endorse and, and uh, with equipment we by ourselves don't have, or, or at least don't have a functioning equipment. We shall endorse uh, the Ukraine, and uh, we are uh, highly indebted. But we uh, we shall make uh, more debt policy uh, to uh, to 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 support Ukraine to the debt policy regarding policy regarding the the german military however uh, uh, the the profits will have uh, on 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 your side of the western world the profits will have the us military complex if our indebted uh, our debt policies regarding the military see we're uh, very protected over here in the western uh, hemisphere with two large boats called the atlantic and pacific ocean but um i was wondering what do germans feel about russia and do they think that there is a partnership with russia providing energy that might allow them to basically break free of the nato stranglehold on their foreign affairs. you know in my opinion is russia and germany should have always been natural allies you had uh, certainly some bad actors that got in the way of that not to mention the russian revolution itself with stalin and that whole consortment but naturally speaking it you would like there to be peace and prosperity between the two great nations uh, of but, Europe, yeah, of, of of Europe for sure. So, yeah, Germany yeah, and yes, Russia we see as the two great nations of Europe right now, and I think that uh, it is. I, I hate to see them being set upon one another as artificial enemies. I, I, you know, they've got plenty of utilities, and if you can just break the stranglehold of these elites regarding green energy and get some real fossil fuel over there, I think that's the path out of the woods for the German people. Give us a minute on that, Sasha, and then I want to switch gears to the New Year's Eve riots in Berlin and get some contact information, all that good stuff. It's going by, as always, far too quickly with you, but uh, if, you can if, put a, a – go ahead. If, if you look in history, uh, every time when uh, we we have been uh, in, in, uh, in confrontation uh, with Russia, Germany, Russia, uh, it ended in despair. And uh, in all times when we had a good relationship uh, – it was a prosperous development, and uh, the I think the it, it, we are national. We should be allies, but uh, I always have in mind, and I always consider that uh, uh, we have to to uh, explain it to the the countries in between. That uh, the problem in history always was that the countries in between, uh, if uh, Germany and Russia had a good relationship. For example, Poland uh, feared a uh, conspiracy against its interests. And I think if we in future would, for the first time, uh, 
in history we would uh, be able to, to fix that problem and to, man to manage to uh, take them also into the boat, uh, then it, that would be a good foundation for a, for a, for a peaceful Europe. However, that uh, isn't conform with the geopolitical strategies of the Washington Deep State, as you for sure know. Amen. Well, we call it hey, GOG. That, that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the answer to that. And uh, in any event, uh, we will pray for peace and prosperity between all of Western kind and the men of the West, wherever they may reside, even in the East. <laughs> well, it seems to be a great community of interest, really. Uh, it would be definitely in the best interest of Germany to get access to cheap energy from okay. Russia. Uh, yeah, we t we've talked about that. But let's talk about the New Year's Eve riots in Berlin and the surge of asylum demands there in Germany. It seems as though that uh, diversity keeps on uh, bestowing upon the German state its riches. Yes, uh, it was not uh, these riots. It was not the first time. Uh, we can remember uh, the, the sexual harassments by hordes of migrants we saw on New Year's Eve in 2016 in Cologne. And a few years, a few weeks ago, yep. uh, we witnessed again the riots on New Year's Eve uh, in Germany's capital city of Berlin. And more than more than seventy percent of the arrested rioters uh, were of migrant background. A total of eighteen different nationalities were recorded, of which the largest migrant group of suspects originated from uh, Afghanistan. And my the first uh, question I asked myself when uh, uh witnessing that uh, on the tv on the tv screen was why why didn't the police uh use the uh, anti-riot water cannons as they did it in the summer against the peaceful freedom protesters that's one real scandal because muslims in, don't like taking a bath in this <laughs> yeah and uh Strangely enough, uh, to, one example for you to show you the, or show your audience uh, how deep uh, lunacy uh, and, and political grace uh, is entrenched in, in uh, political daily life in Germany. Uh, one quote from the Schleswig-Holstein Green Minister for Social Affairs and Family. Uh, I quote what she said. Of course, we can now have 18 weeks of stupid meta debates about integration, or we can protect the emergency services and the population by banning firecrackers. The problem or not, the, the, the migrants, the immigrants, banning firecrackers. And uh, she said, how difficult can it be to find such a simple solution to a clear problem? Quote, end. No, no words, James. That's, in my, according to my opinion, that's simply mental diarrhea in politics. Childishness. And it yeah, was the words of a green minister. You know, this what you're talking about with the migrant invasion of Germany, which has been going on for so many years, all of the rapes, all of the brutalities inflicted upon the German people by these foreigners. Now, that is something that the government should be cracking down on, not imaginary plots to overthrow the state. I think, That's if you uh, had a government that was looking after the best interests of the people. That's just my opinion uh, as a as a. a much, none of us have that. <laughs> a, much, a much greater threat uh, to to the state and the government as the uh, few dozen Reichsbürgers are will be the the Salafisten, will be the 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 Islamic uh, terrorists. And yes, we have learned that uh, immigration uh, very often kills and. Uh, 
we have uh, it, it's always the same pattern in, in in handling it from the established side or from the the mainstream media uh, it's migration migration crime is always diminished culpability while in case if there a foreigner is a victim immediately there is a permanent search uh, of a political background and uh, all uh, if an all leading media do never mention uh, in the headline when the perpetrator is an asylum seeker it's always the same pattern here Well, uh, hopefully one day cooler heads will prevail and Germany will once again have a government that puts Germans first and puts an end to this stuff. Of course, we want that for yeah, 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 we want it, I tell you. It <laughs> but, seems to be a worldwide problem. <laughs> in, in the Western nations, that's for sure. Um, but in any event, Sasha, we have a few minutes remaining. I want to give you a chance to plug all of your contact information. Uh, we mentioned Europa Terra Nostra. Folks, if you go to the top of my Twitter at James Edwards TPC, you can link over to Sasha's brand new Twitter Twitter handle. You can also link over to the magazine in Germany for which he writes that is available on newsstands and not just online. Also to Europa Terra Nostra, fantastic uh, pro-European and pan-European uh, advocacy and activist group uh, with our good friend there, also Dan Erickson. Uh, but Sasha, let it roll. How can people contact you, stay in touch, learn more, and hear more? You are our go-to guy in Germany. There's not even a second and third. You're one, two, and three in the rankings. We, we want to know something going on in Germany. We call Sasha. How can people find out more? Yes, uh, since uh, Elon Musk took over, I I take uh, I try if, if if he holds promise. And since really really brand new, I I have a and brand new uh, account also uh, now on Twitter. Uh, the the magazine where I'm writing to Deutsche Stimme is in, in German language, of course. Europa Terra Nostra I'm writing for is in English language, and my personal contacts uh, now Twitter. But you also can find me on Getter, and. Uh, you can. Uh, I'm glad if some will follow one of my two uh, Telegram channels. I have also in an English uh, an, an Telegram channel in, channel in English language. That's uh, Rossmüller Dissident channel. Uh, and if you want to follow me in on the Telegram channel, and you can what where I mostly comment as well in the English language. You can also follow me on Gap. So Telegram, there you go. He's everywhere, Telegram, and Twitter, get Telegram, Twitter, Getter, and Gap. You can find me, and I'm uh, regular, uh, regularly commenting on on, on topics or uh, provide uh, some informations. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I follow him on Telegram. He's a good friend, good man, good well, warrior we're, we're, for our we're people. We're waiting for the reincarnation of Otto von Bismarck. <laughs> <laughs> We'll see how it goes. Sasha, it's 2 a.m. You're a family man. I just had a birthday there in December, so my best to you and, and, uh, and to your family. Uh, get some rest, brother. We will talk to you again soon. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, the retired cop, our good friend Jim Lancia, back on to talk about policing in diverse America. He wrote the book, Downtown White Police. He's going to be back in the next hour. Thank you again, Sasha. We'll talk to you again soon, but not soon enough. Godspeed, brother. It was a great pleasure. Thank you very much. Napa know how. 
Napa guy knows the only way you'd give a freshly minted driver a brand new car is if he promises to never drive it. Instead, let him grind the gears and knock over the neighbor's mailbox in something a little more suited to his skill level. And with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, he can safely drive something that's nearly as old as he is. It's not perfect, but it's perfect for him. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. You're listening to Resolution Radio at ResolutionRDO.com. The only untold story of World War II you will ever need to know. done a magnificent job. The visual impact that people will experience when they see what you have produced, you've been very impartial in your presentation and you have allowed the people, the viewers, to make up their own mind. You present the the evidence and anyway, it's an honor to have you on the program. To find out more on this phenomenal documentary series, Go to thegreateststorynevertold.tv You're listening to Resolution Radio at resolutionrdo.com In ancient times, man roamed the earth in a constant state of hunting or being hunted. Introducing Caveman, where cutting-edge science meets ancient super nutrients. Secure your bottle right now at InfoWarsStore.com. You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program. And here to guide you through the murky waters of the Political Cesspool is your host, James Edwards. Welcome back, everybody. It's the second hour of tonight's live broadcast for Saturday, January the 21st. We have now back with us our criminal justice correspondent, the retired police officer, Jim Lancia. He's back to, I guess in the grand scheme of things, talk about the reality of policing in diverse America. Of course, you know Jim, many appearances over the year on this program. He authored the book Downtown White Police, which details his career on the force in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Jim, welcome back to the show. How are you tonight? I'm good, James. Thanks for having me. Well, you're very welcome, and it's always great to have you. And as I said, you're really more uh, than a correspondent and uh, a a piece of the TPC family than a guest, but uh, however people will receive you, we are happy to have you. And before we get to the reason, the specific reason we brought you on tonight, we get letters, emails, cards every every week, every month uh, from people who are tuning into the show for the first time. So for the benefit of anybody who might not be as familiar with your past as some of the older listeners, uh, give everybody a two or three minute synopsis of who Jim Lancia is and what experience he has 
uh, on the police force in diverse America? Uh, well, I, I came on the police force at a very young age, at 18 years old, and I uh, worked in a very high crime inner city with, uh, like you said, a very diverse population. And this, um, uh, what the, the 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 climate you see with the policing today is really nothing new to me and the guys I worked with because this has been going on for a long time. It's just starting to make really mainstream news. It's, uh, I worked in some of the highest crime uh, housing projects in the United States at the time. The city was rated the highest crime in, in the country, even higher than New York, even when New York was, was really exploding. Uh, so I, I worked in, in, in all the divisions, all the uh, elite units, and I got to see the world for the way it really was. And uh, being a white police officer, in a diverse city is, is not a picnic. It's not about the crime. It's not about how you, you know, even the danger. I mean, we all handled that. That's what we signed up for. It was the inner, uh, the inner enemy, the, um, the, 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 all the, uh, the flack that you get from doing your job and, and, you know, just the government, crashing down on you, like I was talking about it in my book, about how the federal government puts white police officers in black neighborhoods because uh, black cops didn't want to work in the high crime neighborhoods. They thought it was racist to put them there, so we got all the flack by being white cops in black neighborhoods. So, uh, I mean, we'll go into it a little bit more when, when we're talking. Well, that, that's, so that's, a, that's a good enough... A good enough intro. And I know Keith wants to say hello and ask you a quick question. And then in the next segment, we'll, we'll get to the specifics of why you're on tonight. But you did write the book, which we have sent out as a TPC fundraising incentive. I think it was a few years ago now. But at Amazon.com, you can buy Jim Lancey's book, Downtown White Police, Demonizing the Alpha Cop, Glorifying Thugs, and Militarizing Law Enforcement. Spent a lot of time at the height of the crack epidemic on the force there in Bridgeport, Connecticut, serving warrants and kicking in doors with a six-shooter. I mean, this was old-school policing, not the politicized stuff you see today. This was sure enough beat cop alpha guy going in and getting the job done. Keith? Yeah, Jim. What years were you actually uh, boots on the ground uh, doing your Well, I started in 1978, and then I retired with my pension 20 years after. So, But this was, uh, this was, this was yeah, this was the old days, I guess. <laughs> well, I, I'm a lawyer, and I, I think that I track most of the big problems that we have with the so-called police brutality and all this type of these charges with a case that came out of Memphis called Garner versus Tennessee back in 1986, a Supreme Court case. Do you remember that? Uh, no, I don't. There's so many of those. Uh... Well, it, it, was, it was where they did away with the fleeing felon rule. You know, when we watched old police movies when I was growing up. Oh, yeah. Well, way, we, had the fleeing, rem- we had the fleeing yeah. felon rule still. They weren't using it, and we never used it. But, yeah, it was still active when I was there. Well, see, it's like today, the only people you can arrest if they're black is somebody that wants to get arrested, and those people are few and far between, I imagine. <laughs> well, let me ask you this, Jim. How? Give me, give me a couple of minutes on this, because I think it's an interesting question that will preface what, what we brought you on to talk about for the remainder of the hour. How has policing changed since your time on the beat in the 70s and 80s and uh, presumably the 90s as well, compared to what it has become today? Okay, well... 
crime hasn't really changed. I mean, crime was bad back then. It was it reached all time highs, actually, 70s, 80s and in the mid 90s. So it's not the crime. It's how they allow police officers to handle the crime. Um, the, it's, it's the type of police officer they hire, the affirmative action hires, the low IQ, the female, too many females. I mean, uh, it's, it's a recipe for the, it's yeah, out of shape. There's no standards whatsoever. They're even hiring in some of the cities. You can be 60 years old as a rookie. So th- this is just it's ridiculous. <laughs> and, you know, it's honestly, I mean, the police officer is supposed to represent the law. He's supposed to try to get the best of the best. But it's 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 how these um, the reaction now is with the social media and with even how the media handles it. It's like everything a cop does to make an arrest is always got to be some some form of racism or brutality. And the, the 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 truth being is that criminals don't like being arrested. They're violent to begin with, and sometimes you have to use force to make an arrest. It's, it's, Look, it's not. I, I, what I've what I've found, Jim, is this: I, as a lawyer, you know, when you had Blue Crush, I don't know if that's something is a generic term they use in all of policing or just what they use here, but it's where they have the computerized access and they get your license plate or they get your uh, you know ID and they know all about your record. When you stop a typical black guy, it's not like stopping a typical uh, white guy that just gets a ticket and he either contests it or he. Uh, uh, you know, complies and pays it. A lot of these guys have bench warrants, parole violations, all this stuff. They're liable to be in jail for five years or more with any police stop, and that's why they resist arrest. Am I wrong about that, or how do you feel about that? No, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, that's just the way it is. And uh, you can't, you cannot use racial percentages. Like, oh, a lot of people say, well, cops arrest blacks more than whites. Well, Blacks engage police more. They commit most of the crime. They commit more than fifty percent. More than fifty percent of the murders in the United States are committed by black males from like sixteen to thirty-five. So and that's like seven about, to eight percent of the population. Exactly, maybe less than that, right? And so there, there is a problem there, and it's not race. It's not racist police. It's blacks just not behaving. Blacks committing most of the crime. And that needs to be addressed more than, oh, uh, race, it's racist. I mean, look at what Obama did. I mean, he snuck in that equity thing. I don't know what he did. He snuck that in where if too many blacks are in prison, they release them. And that's what we're seeing now. And there's other reasons. Yeah, we're seeing it, that's for sure. <laughs> hey, hold on, everybody. Jim Lancia, he's back. Downtown White Police. Get it at Amazon.com. They should make a, bo- a movie about your career, Jim. Based off the book. Really, they should. It would put Dirty Harry in the uh, trash can. It's James, and I've got to tell you that I sleep better at night knowing that there are organizations like the Conservative Citizens Foundation. The purpose of the Conservative Citizens Foundation is to promote the principles of limited government, individual liberty, equality before the law, property rights, law and order, judicial restraint, and states' rights, while at the same time exploring the dangers posed by liberalism to our national interests and cultural institutions. The Conservative Citizens Foundation also seeks to educate the public on the dangers of extreme
extremist ideologies like critical race theory and cultural Marxism. I've worked with the good people at the Conservative Citizens Foundation for many years, and their work comes with my complete endorsement. For more information and to keep up with all the latest conservative news headlines, please check out their website, MericaFirst.com. That's M-E-R-I-C-A-1-S-T.com, MericaFirst.com. Have you ever heard of Loving Liberty Ladies? Well, the Loving Liberty Ladies are here to help you learn our American heritage and the way it affects today's society. The Loving Liberty Ladies also have a discussion guide called Proclaim Liberty. And with this guide, you can start your own group in your hometown. Get yours today on our website at lovingliberty.net. Look for our lesson supplements, too. They're free. To hear all the special offers and to join the fight for freedom and liberty, please go to lovingliberty.net. The spirit of the American West is alive and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues of the American West. Each issue contains informative articles, breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today and gift ideas like this year's Buckaroo calendar. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Loving Liberty Network salutes the spirit of the American West at rangemagazine.com. All right, and welcome back, everybody. We're back with Jim Lancia. As we were saying right before the break, they got to make a movie based on his book, Downtown White Police, which uh, details his career in Bridgeport, Connecticut. It would put uh, the Dirty Harry script. It's like Dirty Harry, except it really happened. He may make Dirty Harry look like Abbott and Costello. My dad was a police officer for a short time. Then he joined the fire department, then ended up retiring as a captain with the fire department. Uh, but he has Jim's book, and I, he got Jim's book a few years ago, and it is a, a perennial coffee table book. It never gets put up. I was at I was at dog ear. You can tell it's been read. My parents' house the other day, and the book was still out. It just never gets put up. It's a great book. Anyway, so we wanted to make sure you know Jim's got experience doing the beat cop policing, and boy does he ever. Not, Not in just some, another police expert, supposedly. This is the real deal. And it wasn't in Maywood either. It was in you know Mayberry. hardcore hard, yeah May yeah Maywood. Uh, here in Memphis. No, Mayberry, correct. Uh, it was in the, the rough and tumble streets. All right, so here's the situation in Memphis that we brought Jim on uh, to be our analyst about. So got a call from a friend of mine who's retired law enforcement in this area, and he told me not to leave the house the next few days. Things are looking pretty bad. There's some chatter that there could be some riots. And then another guy I know that's an IT guy, his whole office was told to stay at home because there was a potential for racial unrest in Memphis here. Now, what happened was there was a 29-year-old uh, black man by the name of Tyree Nichols, and he was beaten by five police officers in Memphis and then died from his injuries three days later. So everything, I mean, you could feel it on social media. My, my wife came to me multiple days in a row saying, I'm reading this, I'm reading this, I'm hearing this. There was a palpable edge in the city here that was building up. And there were already, just yesterday here in town, a bunch of black protesters in downtown Memphis carrying the I am a man sign. They're recycling that old canard. 
And in any event, it was all leading up to, you could tell, they wanted to spin the narrative. The media was playing into this. You could hear the narrative. It, the story wrote itself. 60 years after Dr. King, nothing has changed in Memphis, except for one no, thing. A lot has changed. Except, yeah, that's for sure. Except for one thing. I know, and I was talking to Jim about this earlier today, that there was a mass exodus of white police officers from the Memphis Police Department in recent years with what? The Derek Chauvin and all of the other instances. It's not a good place to be a white cop in a town like this because you know if you have to use force and if things go south, uh, you're going to go to jail for the rest of your life. And then also, uh, there was some things in the news a few years ago. The city of Memphis wanted its police force to represent the community, meaning that basically if you're white, you don't need to apply. And the black police union insists that they recruit only out of within the city limits of Memphis to keep those uh, pernicious honkies from getting on the force. So that's the thing. And then, so I started to think, and I said, okay, if there's five police officers involved, the likelihood of them being all white is zero. The likelihood of there being one or two whites, maybe. But then it came back, all of the officers engaged in this incident were black and you could just feel the air being let out of the balloon it was just such a missed opportunity for the anti-white powers that be uh to stir up another racial conflict uh and then the narrative immediately pivoted these cops were the wrong complexion to get police protection you see everything they say has to rhyme uh that's civil rights sort of 101 they, they quite frankly don't know whether they want to support the officers now or not but in any event here's here's the situation we don't know if the young man well he's 30 years old 29 who died had a record we don't know any of that what we do know is this he was pulled over for a traffic stop there was a confrontation and he fled. He got caught and then there was another confrontation and he got beaten and then three days later died. That's what we know. Jim, with that table now being said, we've talked far too long. I told you that story earlier today and boy, did you let go. What, did you, what was your take on it? Well, I guess first I'll address whatever the cops did. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say it was good or bad until the body cam uh, footage is released. But let's say it is bad, okay? Let's, let's just speculate. You have five black cops who killed a, uh, a, a black male suspect. Okay, now where does the racial element come in? So that, that's what I would like to say. I mean, there are bad cops out there, especially more and more. I mean, with the people they're hiring, they're getting desperate. I mean, all they want is gender and color to replace the white male. So they don't care who they put on there as long as they're not white. So the other, the other thing is, is either you, we put up with an imperfect police force in an imperfect world or we're going to get chaos. So I saw a Black Lives Matter preacher say something like, yeah, he said all the cops were black. He goes, but they're still under the rule of white supremacy somehow. He said that. He said that this even black could fall into the white supremacy thing. They got to stop this. And white people need to, to, to demand it stop. Because I'm going to tell you something, just like you said, there's a palpable feel of, of trouble coming. And it will come eventually. It might not come from this, but it's going to come and it has come and it's going to continue to come. Because this is going to happen again and again. Even if the cops do everything right, you will still have this climate of of hatred and blaming everything on Whitey. And until Whitey stands up for himself, 
it's going to get worse because whites are becoming the perfect victim. And, and, and the people don't understand this. I mean, you've got to be armed with the truth. White, I mean, police officers, black and white, kill more white men than they, they kill black men in, in the United States every year. And blacks commit more crimes, and they engage police more. So it seems like it's easier to get away with killing white men than it is with, with a black suspect. So There's one other dynamic in that, uh, Jim. One other dynamic, which is that blacks are more likely to resist arrest violently. Because of the well, that's what I meant. Yeah, about. I meant they right. They engage police officers more, meaning they're 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 willing to resist more and pull weapons on police. Um, See, I lived back in the high- days of segregation. I'm I'm an old timer. I'm 72, and I remember when the neighborhoods were segregated in Memphis, and it was always a problem in the black community for blacks to be arrested by white officers. They didn't care for it. Okay. Well, the Memphis police handled that very easily back in the days of segregation. They assigned black patrolmen to the black precincts. And the black policemen were, had a reputation for being tough as nails. I mean, they would beat the stuffing out of these guys. But apparently in the black community, it was less of an affront to them to be have the stuffing beat out of them by a black policeman than just be arrested by a white. But you're saying now, Jim, you were just mentioning this a moment ago, that that's just not the way it is anymore. Anybody. They just no, don't it's want not. You. They don't because, want to enforce the law at all. No, they don't want the law enforced at all. And I've been through that. See, we had uh, all minority, all black projects, big ones. I mean, talking about 10,000 people in four city blocks, the sixth largest in the United States, rated number one in crime by the FBI. And there were always white cops working there, but there were blacks as well. So, so the, the, for a while, they wanted to put black cops policing. So then the black cops complained that they were unright, unjustly put in high crime neighborhoods simply because they were black. So the federal government made a remedy order to take them out of there if they didn't want to work there and put all white cops in there. And then they, they claimed it was racism because all white cops were in there. But you got to thank the federal government for that. And what are you supposed to do? I mean, if all the crime damned is black. Damned if you do, there, damned if you don't. Exactly. And that's what they're getting to. This is not organic. If it was organic, this country would be absolutely insane. And it already is. But there is a reason for this. And it's it's to create, just like everything else with climate change and the economy, it's a self-destructive course that they're taking to create this, this system that they want in the future. And everybody has to see that. So this isn't just a, a base, a crime-to-crime basis, hey, how can we fix this? It could be fixed very easily, but it's not going to be fixed this way. So the reason why you have Antifa and Black Lives Matter able to roam the streets and burn cities down is because, because they're just – the cops can't do anything about it now. If they do, they're going to put it all on film and look like it's going to be very ugly. Let me tell you something. Crime is ugly. People don't see the detritus of, of humanity that gets left there by criminals. They only see the cops making arrests, and they just can't fathom that a cop can't make an arrest without using force sometimes. It doesn't work that way in the real world. And they should be very happy that men are willing to take down violent criminals. Now, I'm not saying this, this particular case with the guy was violent. I didn't see it. I can't condone everything cops do, 
We'll let the court system work that out. But we shouldn't be threatened with riots and race riots every time some black guy has a misfortunate contact. You know what? That's what I want to come back with that uh, on that very topic of conversation with Jim Lancia, retired police officer Jim Lancia, when we come back. Proclaiming liberty across the land. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Dave Collins. A woman is facing first-degree murder charges after shooting and killing her terminally ill husband inside a Daytona Beach hospital. Police say the victim, Jerry Gillen, already knew the plan. From from what I was told, he was aware of it. Uh, apparently, um, the goal was for him to do it, but he did not have the strength. So she had to carry it out for him. His wife, Ellen, shot him once in the head before barricading herself in the room. Police were eventually able to take her into custody. No one else was injured. Buckingham Palace revealing plans for King Charles III's coronation. The festivities began on May 6th with a coronation big lunch and coronation concert the next day, capped off by an extra bank holiday on Monday. The coronation will be a solemn religious service, according to the palace, but will reflect the monarch's role today and look towards the future. White House Chief of Staff Ron Klain is expected to step down. Klain is expected to step down from his position in the coming weeks, although the White House is making no comment. According to a report in the New York Times, Klain's resignation would be the biggest staffing shakeup in the Biden administration since taking over the presidency two years ago. A formal announcement and the naming of Klain's replacement not expected until after President Biden's State of the Union address on February 7th, although the search for his replacement is already underway. I'm John Schaefer. Illegal crossings at the U.S. southern border are hitting record levels. Customs and Border Protection said it stopped more than a quarter of a million migrants along the Mexican border in December. Reflects a 40% jump from December of 2021. It's the highest of any month since President Biden took office. Avengers star Jeremy Renner is giving a health update after a New Year's Day snowplow incident sent him to the hospital for more than two weeks. He took to Instagram and thanked fans for their support, as well as revealing he broke 30-plus bones in the incident. This is USA News. So right now may be the perfect time for you to rethink how you pay for health care, and here's why. Not only is it open enrollment for a lot of people, it's also a time you can join MediShare and save even more than usual. And it's true, the typical family switching to MediShare saves 500 bucks or more a month, which is obviously huge for a lot of people, but what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to health insurance. Double. There are 400,000 members. They've shared over $4 billion in medical bills, and it really is a great community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. And here's the thing. If you join MediShare Complete right now, They'll waive your new member fees, and you'll save an additional 10% off all of 2023. That's right. No fee to join, 10% off every month of next year, but it's a very limited time offer. You have to sign up before January 15th. Great savings, great health care. Find out more. Call now. 833-34-BIBLE. That's 833-34-BIBLE. 833-34-BIBLE.
We're back with uh, TPC's criminal justice correspondent, longtime friend and contributor to the show, Jim Lancia, author of the book Downtown White Police. Uh, our, <laughs> our source for all true information on police. We got stuff, a story like this, we got to call Jim and my dad. My dad never misses a show. He texted me. He said, let everybody know. Well, I'll just read it verbatim. Great show. Great guy. This guy is great. Tell him I recommend his book to everybody. So there you go. I just told everybody. That, that, that's that's true. Honest engine. That was <laughs> what his father told him. So in any event. Uh, so here, here's what we've got here. The entire city of Memphis, based upon social media, word on the street, was gearing up for racial unrest until... All of the police officers involved turned out to be black. And they're still trying to find a racial angle here. They're still trying to ram that square peg in the round they hole. Took all the air out of their uh, sails. But here's, here's some more facts about this case, and we'll get Jim's response. Now, of course, the media is painting this uh, 29-year-old uh, deceased black male as an angel, as a pillar uh, of his community. Steve Urkel. And he, they say he enjoyed skateboarding and photography. Okay. Sounds a little backward for a 30-year-old. Uh, who knows? I'm just saying we don't know. We don't know if he was all good and the cops were all bad, if the cops were all good and he was all bad. We're just It's all speculation. All I do know is this. The media said the same thing about Trayvon Martin. They said the same thing about George Floyd. By God, they said the same thing about Michael Brown and Ferguson, who literally tried to take Darren Wilson's gun, Officer Wilson's gun from him and kill him on the street. But he was a good boy. He didn't do nothing. Didn't, we call him didn't do nothing. Uh, D-I-N-D-U-F-I-N-N-F. Yeah, anyway, uh, so the media has lied so much about this. you you got to do the opposite of giving people like this the benefit of the doubt. What we do know is that this now deceased 29-year-old black male did confront, with, have a confrontation with the police and flee. Now, I get pulled over, Jim, once or twice a year for speeding. In fact, one time I got pulled over twice in the same day. I've gotten pulled over by police many, many times in my life, and never once have I, have I thought about getting out of the car and running or taking off. So why does somebody do that? Does he have a record? We don't know. Was he under the influence? We don't know. Sometimes in situations like this, you've got low IQ and poor impulse control. Did he disrespect the cops? Well, did he disrespect people who's in their nature is to respond to that violently just because they have a badge, you know, maybe all bets are off. We do know that these police officers, Jim, have been on the force, the five of them, all on the force between the last two and five years. None of them more than a five-year veteran. Not seasoned veteran. So that coincides with the exodus of white cops in Memphis and the push by the city of Memphis to bring in majority black law enforcement. So again, what in your opinion for those new hires, is going on here? You look at all of this, you put it all together. We don't know who's good, who's bad. The body cam footage, by the way, is supposed to be released on Monday. But again, you, you, you got a gut feeling on this, Jim? Well, first of all, I was going to say, I can't believe you got pulled over so many times. You didn't, you didn't use your white privilege on that one. I, I, I don't <laughs> understand that. Um, you, you know, you're white. Tickets. You're not supposed to be pulled over, according to uh, SPLC, ADL, and NAACP. But I guess, I guess, uh, I don't know. Maybe things are changing. Okay, so <laughs> exactly, we 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 don't know exactly what happened here, but the trend is this: it is it is a, a black male gets roughed up. You know, I mean, this in this case, he died. I don't know how that even happened, but 
uh, there might have been excessive force there. Maybe black cops believe that they can get away with more sim- simply because they know the political climate, right? And that's dangerous in itself. But I still am for the, the, the um, policy of waiting for the evidence to come out to make a real decision. But uh, I, it seems like if, even if the guy resisted, five cops would have been able to subdue him without beating him to death. Okay, so it, it you know, it could be. Dangerous, but, uh, Jim, let me I ask you this, know. Jim. Jim, the guy, the the guy, the victim was six foot four, one hundred and forty pounds. You think you could have taken him without four <laughs> other guys, or, or what do you think? Absolutely right. You could. So why that happened is open for the system to to to, to play it out. But the most important thing is those things do happen. You got bad cops. You got cops that can't handle themselves. You also got cops that shoot too quickly and shoot too much. I mean, that's not how it's supposed to work. And, uh, you know, so that's why you have to take the best of the best guys that aren't afraid, guys that will hold off on shooting their guns. Just you, you, you just can't do that all the time. I've been in thousands of situations, literally, where I had to have my gun out and had the, and hundreds of times when I could have legally pulled the trigger. But he didn't. And same with the other guys, because we weren't afraid. So we gave the criminals chances to drop the gun or to, you know, to stop or to not make threatening moves. So you, you need the right guys to handle this type of job. So just hiring people because they're black or because they're female is not going to rectify the age-old problem of uh, use of force. It's never going to stop. Let's put it this way. It will never stop because you will always have violent people resisting. And now it's even worse because they know that they're going to get a pass that most cops don't want to engage anymore. So that's going to make criminals be more bold to run away, to engage cops more, and to actually think they're going to gain, you know, high, high paying off lawsuits because of it. This is a bad situation. Uh, these uh, these groups have paid us, painted us in Black Lives Matter, Antifa, the ADL, all these SPLC, NAAC, all these people are enemies of America, black and white, because the blacks still got to live in those neighborhoods with those black thugs that police don't want to arrest anymore. So who's being affected by it? And in, in the end, if cops aren't going to stop these guys, it's up to the people. To, to protect themselves. Is this the country we're going to live in, hoping some black thug doesn't pick you someday and you're going to have to do something about it? And that's why I said in Jim, my book, key. I said glorifying thugs. That's what they do. They glorify these thugs, and they're all lies. Most of them were criminals. Most of them you know, put themselves in that position. And that's just the way it is. And and, you know, and, and this is where we are, and it's going to get uglier, and I'm going to tell you exactly where it's going to go when you ask me that question. Well, Jim, let me add, t- say this. Uh, I think things have gotten worse since the civil rights movement rather than better. Back in the days of segregation in Memphis, you had all the black people living in black neighborhoods, upper class, middle class, and, uh, uh, you know, lower class. And the upper-class blacks did not want their community to descend into criminal chaos, and they were big supporters of the police. Now you don't have that in black neighborhoods. You just have the poor, the lower class for the most part, in the so-called ghettos. And, uh, you know, this isn't 1950s America where, you know, you watch Highway Patrol and 
Dan, you know, Broderick Crawford is Dan Matthews, and he's, uh, you know, it's all white in California, and the uh, bad guys wear coats and ties to work. You know, it's a, a, t- a totally different world. Yeah. Well, the black, the rich blacks now live in the rich white neighborhoods. So they exactly. want police to patrol their neighborhoods. So, but the thing is, is like I said, they, we know who's behind this. I mean, this is not, this is not to protect the innocent black male. These, these guys that are engaging these police are criminals. They're the ones terrorizing black neighborhoods. They're terrorizing white neighborhoods. They're criminals. So if you glorify criminals, we're going to have a world that's un- unlivable. It's, 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 and it's the perfect way to destroy the country. All these, those uh, organizations I mentioned should be investigated. They should be uh, held accountable for all the violence they created by unleashing the criminal black man on the United States. Sorry. And that's the truth because they commit all the crime. And, you know, I'm not saying white trash is any better, but at least when you're dealing with white trash, there's no racial element in it. And uh, I'll say it for you, Jim. Yeah, exactly. Well, well, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I see what Jim's point you? is. You, you can do policing against white trash and have to worry about losing your job for doing your job. Or, or going to jail right. for the rest but, of your life. But to be honest with you, and this is controversial, I wish we did have segregation again. You know, and I don't care. I have freedom of speech because everybody was safer during that time. Look at South Africa. Since the end of apartheid, South Africa was the safest country in Africa during apartheid. After apartheid ended, it became the most dangerous country because they unleashed the criminal element. And that's it. And everybody's upset. Even the blacks are upset because they're being murdered at higher rates. Jim, I have a theory on that. Critical race theory. We had this situation a couple of months ago where this guy named Ezekiel Kelly went out on his killing spree trying to kill white people. And he killed a bunch of them. You're not talking about the Cowboys running back, are you? <laughs> no. <laughs> but what happened, though, uh, yeah, I, I put that on the teaching critical race theory to black kids. You know, when white kids get it, it's to cause cultural pessimism in them. That, that's a cultural Marxist term. But when blacks, they want to get blacks and raised against white people. And they want them to turn their criminal activity on the whites. Well, I'll tell you what. we got to take one more break. We'll be back with Jim Lancia. You can say what you want to about segregation on this program. When I was 26 years old, I was on national television advocating for it. Uh, so, and, and I still do. It's normal and natural. Yeah, absolutely. We'll be right back. Antelope Hill Publishing is America's leading publisher of dissident books bringing you a wide variety of new translations and original works on every subject from the Spanish Civil War to the funding behind the transgender movement. Antelope Hill publishes books that mainstream publishers won't touch, full of information that challenges the political status quo and brings real culture to the reading public at an affordable price. If you count yourself as a political dissident, you owe it to yourself to check out the Antelope Hill catalog with exclusive offerings like Solzhenitsyn and the Right, the Open Society Playbook, Opioids for the Masses, and many more. There's something there for everyone, and new titles are added every month. Check out the catalog today at antelopehillpublishing.com. That's antelopehillpublishing.com. I'm James Edwards, and I want you to go to antelopehillpublishing.com. 
In message one, we said that Satan, the father of lies, John 8:44, gave the left evil, spiritual power, the more they used the lies. The political left today is the beast. Now the Bible confirms that the dragon gave him, the beast, his power. Revelation 13, 2. The extra evil spiritual power that comes from the beast by their lying is what accounts for the string of the leftist criminals in the government that have never yet been prosecuted. It also explains why American capitalists support communism in the 21st century. Note 1. That behavior of capitalists was predicted by Vladimir Lenin, a cell of the beast. Note 2. Henry Ford was a capitalist, and he would have never gone communist. The difference between Ford and the present-day, end-time capitalists is that Ford was born and educated in the Kingdom of Christ, 19th century America, the New Jerusalem, Revelation 21. You know, it does warm the heart to know that there was at least a time in this country where we had cops, manly cops like Jim Lancia out there protecting and serving. I mean, imagine that. You had a guy, you had cops that were in out there. I remember my father telling me, if you ever get stopped by the police, smile every chance you get. You know, <laughs> he didn't have any part about running away from the police or trying to fight a policeman yeah if you're running this is the point in the last segment if you're running away from the cops something's up either you got a record or you're under the influence or something's going on there that doesn't mean you deserve to be beaten to death but something's going on and let's get to the political uh, the uh, how policing has been politicized jim because what you have here now in cities like memphis and atlanta and baltimore and dc and chicago uh, you're you're having the push now you have diversity and affirmative action hires. It doesn't matter whether they're the most qualified applicant at the police academy. You have to fill a quota. The cities are majority black because you have to have majority black cops. And and then you've got whites, whatever whites may still be on the force in majority black cities after, and not just Derek Chauvin, there's been so many examples of white cops having to get physical with violent black suspects and they either go to prison or lose their job. If I'm a, a white lose, cop, lose situation. if I'm a white cop in the majority black city, I'm sitting on my hand. I'm just running out the clock. I'm sitting. I'm trying to avoid enforcement. I'm not doing my job because I know if I have to, uh, it could cost me the rest of my life. So you you got all of that in play. And with that in play, Jim, this was the question, the question you've been waiting to be asked. Where is it going? Okay, just like you said, the cops are going to sit on their hands. They don't want to go to jail. Sometimes I can't blame them, but then you realize what's going to happen. There's going to be nothing but chaos. And then the public, the same public screaming for, uh, for uh, um, enforcement, you know, for, for, for these blacks that are being attacked by cops for justice and it's all racist. They're going to be the same ones screaming, oh, my God, what, what are we going to do now? Well, here's the thing. And I've said this on your show before, and this is on paper, signed in by Loretta Lynch and Obama, back when he was destroying the U.S. Uh, it's called Strong Cities Network, and there are some cities in Tennessee on it. And they, they, they keep adding cities. It's the U.N. It's, it's, you can go on the U.N. site, look up Strong Cities. They also call it, call it Strong Cities Network. Uh, and... There's cities in America and other places in the world where if chaos ensues, 
just like Black Lives Matter can create, then the UN would be legally able to be called in by authorities to police our streets. That is a fact. It is not a conspiracy. It's not a theory. It's on paper. And if you can bet that if it is on paper, they intend to use it someday. And with police not George being able Soros to do anything, yeah, the, that, that is crazy. You that that is crazy, Keith. That you use that term, Jim. You were just you mentioned it in the exact same terminology earlier. Keith was mentioning the George Soros DAs. Right. That's another way to destroy us. So you have the, a releasing of criminals. Look what they just recently did. Um, the prison reform. Remember, three strikes, you're out. Three felonies, and you were in prison for life. Now you got guys on the streets committing murders who have 40 felonies. They can't keep them in prison. But Not yet only that, we have a DA in Memphis who is trying to get the age of majority increased from 18 to 25. Can you imagine that? So they can treat <laughs> them all like juveniles. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So that's true. It, it, everything that's happening, all the crime that's happening, they, the system is just adjusting to the high crime and making it easier for them rather than clamping down on it. And that would be better for blacks, too, because they wouldn't get the incentive to be criminals. So well, let me ask you this. Well, Jim, I just got to say, I got to say, Jim, I don't, I don't want to interrupt you. You're getting me animated. We got Jim and I. I told Jim I was on the phone with Jim 30 minutes earlier this afternoon preparing was, for this. He was, he was revved I, up. I was pacing the floor. I told Jim, I said, Jim, you got me pacing the floor like a caged lion. Uh, but Jim, if, oh, yeah. if I'm a if I'm a black thug in Bridgeport, Connecticut, in 1980, and I see you coming, it's yes, sir, officer, sir. But if I'm a black thug now, if I'm a banger and I see a white cop coming, I think it's a joke. I think this man can't do anything to me because if he does, he's dead or he's going to jail forever. I can do whatever he I want. He sees dollar signs where his <laughs> eyes are. Well, there is a difference. Yes, back when I was a cop, we were respected. There's no doubt about that. They hated us. They wanted to kill us, but we were respected. And yes, we had to tangle with the thugs, but we win. We won, and we did what we had to do to make the arrest, and they went to jail. We had a system that would punish criminals for their crimes. Okay, but today, they have no respect for cops. Number one, they know what they could get away with. They know the political climate. They also know that the cops that are there aren't intimidating like we were. If you look at the cover of my book, that was a cop you didn't mess with. But the thing is, is they don't want that anymore. They don't want that. They just want the color, the gender, and whatever to fill in yeah, the flabby. Clothes. It's just like the Army. If the Army now, they can't even do jumping jacks without passing well, out. Look, if yeah, if, I got if this... you're a black criminal and you see some woman or some out-of-shape guy, yeah. you say, I can outrun that guy. Yeah, I can well, beat that person up. That's absolutely right. And, Jim, you were talking about how women you know, would react in a, in a high-stress situation. I'm looking at Jim right here prototypical cop we got the cover of his book by the way at uh, my twitter handle at james edwards tpc you can get it on amazon downtown white police but yeah you, you, you got this stuff now this 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 female cop having you know sex with everybody in the department i mean just all this stuff yeah. if i'm a if i'm a you know violent felon felonious you know criminal and i see you know the pillsbury doughboy do or some hey, Harmon, some yeah. woman coming after me. I mean, I laugh. Yeah, yeah it's the I'm law laugh of the as jungle. It's the law of the jungle. There's two things: a, a, a cop who's not uh, capable of handling the job will, first of all, be looked at at the criminal as a, as a, as, a, as an easy prey as well. They, they can get away, or they can they can take them. 
the cops themselves, if they're afraid, they're more likely to use their weapons and lethal force because they're afraid, you see? So that creates more problems. And all these organizations run by these dual citizens, these people are the ones who have ingrained it in everybody's minds that there's something wrong going on. The real wrong is that there's something wrong in the black community. It needs to be addressed. And it's not about cops, black or white, uh, using uh, force on them. It's, it's the, the ingrained way that they're acting and the, what they well, know. They're emboldened. Jim, they're, they're emboldened. They're very emboldened. I, I... And that's the worst thing, to embolden criminals. And like I said, you're letting them out of prison because they're black. They, they, they're, they're, there's judges that won't even charge them with, with certain things. You got but they'll charge you. For example, you can... if some guy breaks into your house, I've had uh, this conversation with a policeman before where, uh, you know, they break into your house, you pull your gun and shoot him, you're liable to catch a second-degree murder charge. Final word to Jim well, Lancia. Oh, go ahead, Jim. Go ahead. I got a final no, question no, for you. Go ahead. Say, that's what they want. They want to go after self-defense as well because they know that's the last resort. For well, protection. they did. They did. You remember the lawyer up in the St. Louis area when Black Lives Matter? All he did, he and his yeah. wife stood out on their porch and brandished some firearms and said, you better not come up here. They weren't and they had a lot of legal, legal trouble. Oh, man. He, yeah. yeah. And, and that's the thing. Even if you win, you still got to go through the legal system. So these, all this is to, made to make chaos so they can bring in their new world order. And that's not going away. The new world order was mentioned by every president since, I think, uh, George Sr., Republican and Democrat. So it's not going away. <laughs> they want that control. And they're going to get it. And the U.N. is going to be their police force. And they're well, we disgusting. have treasonous elites ruling us now. We no do. doubt about and it. That's well, in our country, just a few treasonous elites, and they can control 350 million Americans. And that's how it is, both Republican and Democrat. We're getting down somewhere. To gritty, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, we're getting down to it right now with Jim Lancia. Downtown White Police is the book, Amazon.com. Buy it if you don't have it already. Uh, Jim, I was thinking with regards to George Floyd, you know, if they can fake the news, if they can fake what we all saw happen there, you had a felonious guy, lifelong criminal. He died of a drug overdose while he was being restrained. This guy, this cop's going to jail forever. But if they can take what we see with our own eyes in real time in the age of social media and videos and everything else and paint an entirely different narrative that a lot of people believe, think of what they can do to history. Think of what they can well, exactly. imagine what they're doing to history. So final word to you, Jim. Keith, you and I got the full third hour. We can revisit this. But final word with you to you on all of this uh, that we've been talking about tonight. All right, well, like you said, the, the media, if they could paint any picture they want, and for the most part, people believe it, they could create any narrative they want. And that's exactly what they've been doing. People are waking up to it. But you need more shows like yours who tell the truth, the brutal truth. And to be honest with you, the truth is the truth. And if you can't handle it, then you want to live a lie. But where we're going, I'm not saying it's going to happen today or tomorrow, but that's what they ultimately want. And they will keep digging and digging and creating scenarios where they can get that strong cities network in. And then America's sovereignty is gone. We don't even protect our own borders. And we're fighting in Ukraine? Billions and billions of dollars? And our country's falling apart? How is this even happening? You see, because we're, we are, we are, it's treason by both parties right now. I'm sorry, even the Republicans, they allowed this to happen. 
You've got to well, find George Wallace was right when down. he said the difference between the Democrats and the Republicans is the difference between Tweedledum and Tweedledee. Well, we got it right exactly. here. Right? Jim, Jim exactly. just reminded Shut me of a great movie down. quote. They should never pass those <laughs> bills that allow all this money to go to the Ukraine. It's all bull. Ah, there we go. See, look at Donald Trump. He lets a rapper out of jail. and some Jim was talking about yeah. this earlier but today. then on the other hand, you know, what about all those people that are lying to exactly. you without hating because of January 6th? Right. He doesn't care about those people. And that's not America where you could hold somebody for years and not give them a trial and let criminals out on the streets who committed violent crimes. You see? And you see who's running this country. Then you realize this cannot be sustained. They like to talk about sustainability. Well, this is going to affect every American. And you cannot have a system that works to release criminals, violent criminals on the street, and, 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 and put all U.S. citizens in, in, in fear. And that's it. It's just There's no other way to put it. Jim... We love you, brother. I tell you what, if every police officer was Jim Lancia's clone, a lot less crime, you'd have a lot less worry, you'd be a lot more safe, a lot more protective. Protective political correctness be damned. Downtown White Police, Amazon.com, search it. Jim, we can't wait to talk to you again. Thanks for coming on tonight. Uh, called him a couple He's of hours. He's a real life show. dirty hair. <laughs> he is. And he looks <laughs> Thanks, like it, too. Guys. Look at the cover of his book. <laughs> Love you, Jim. Talk to you later, buddy. Thank you. All right, <laughs> guys. Night. Thanks a lot. Take care. Third sure. hour up next. Third hour. Here we come. What would your life be like if you woke up each morning with new vitality, feeling better than you have in years, and you noticed a difference in your sleeping patterns, blood sugar levels, and had a sense of well-being overall? There's something that is changing thousands of people's lives, and you could be one of them. It's called Heart and Body Extract. Sharon Harris, co-creator of Heart and Body Extract, talks about the positive effects of Heart and Body Extract. What happens with the formula Heart and Body Extract is it's giving the body the necessary vitamins, minerals, amino acids, enzymes, and phytonutrients so, so the body will heal itself. And yes, the body does have the ability to balance blood pressure, balance cholesterol, clean and unclog the arteries. It can also work on uh, balancing the circulation for diabetics. So the body is an amazing thing. It simply needs some help so it has the tools to heal itself. Heart and body extract gets results. To order your two-month supply, call now, toll-free at 866-295-5305. Order online at hbextract.com. You're listening to the Political Cess Pool on ResolutionRDO.com. Call and listen now at 607-203-5423. That's 607-203-5423. You've made a serious investment in protecting yourself and your family. You've purchased the gun, the ammunition, the training, and even secured a license to carry in your state. You know the Constitution and don't believe you should have to pay for a right that you already have, as written in the Second Amendment, but you are law-abiding. Now you are considering the legal defense options you should have if you ever have to use a firearm. Self-Defense Fund is a comprehensive litigation membership backing you on appeals, legal expenses, court costs, and more, up to $1 million per incident and unlimited attorney costs per member. Discover SelfDefenseFund.com for yourself. Any weapon, any state, any time. 
We have the new product at InfoWarsLife.com, BioTrue Selenium. We've had so many requests over the years for selenium, and just recently, we were able to source a certified organic bioavailable selenium from mustard seed extract. When you take selenium in the body, it actually benefits the detoxification systems in your body. It helps balance the thyroid gland. It helps detoxify. Selenium is another one of those absolute must-haves. The highest concentration of selenium is in the thyroid gland, but it's actually used all over the body. As a matter of fact, there's 25 genes in the body that are directly dependent upon selenium. So it really is a all-around nutrient that everybody really needs. I'm taking it now every day. This is so key. BioTrue Selenium is the product, the best selenium that we could bring you. We believe it's the best out there at a very, very low price. Exclusively available at InfoWarsLife.com or by calling toll-free 888-253-3139. KD Armor raised the standard. Finally, AR500 steel core body armor that comfortably conforms to the chest and torso. Unique design distributes weight, feeling lighter, increases mobility, and lessens fatigue. Introducing the Combat Quad Bend CQB, a revolutionary plate-forming process that caters to the end user. The CQB is an industry game-changer, a must-have for the ladies. Available now only at KDArmor.com, C-A-T-I-Armor.com. Come and take it. You're listening to Resolution Radio. ResolutionRDO.com You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the political cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program, and here to guide you through the murky waters of the Political Cesspool is your host, James Edwards. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Jim Lancia brought that iconic scene in motion picture history to mind in the last hour well those who can handle the truth are tuned in here <laughs> that's exactly right that's exactly right boy oh boy oh boy strong as garrett snuff isn't it the uh start to this year has been noteworthy i mean you go back this is just our third show of the year we've got two in the books and uh, one currently in progress you go back to our first night uh, of broadcasting in uh, the year of our Lord, 2023. Three guests, one hour after the other, Jason Kessler, Chris Cantwell, and Harry Cooper. Last week, of course, uh, back with us, Representative Steve King and Lauren Witzke. That was a great one-two punch in the second and third hours last week, and not to mention our Brazilian correspondent. So that brings us up to six guests in, in six hours to start the new year. I tell you what, we've never gotten off to such a fast-paced start. And then, of course, tonight you've already heard from Sasha Rossmuller in Germany. I would say our first international guest, but we had our correspondent in Brazil just last week, both talking about similar things, either legitimate uprisings. Bob Dylan said the times they are changing. (laughs) And then Jim Lancia. Jim, 
what a great guy. See, he's he's time he's age proof and waterproof and uh you know weatherproof. He just <laughs> I think what I, I would trust him doing the policing now over any any young buck. I, I, I'm going to suggest him to be the new uh, police chief for the city of Memphis. Well, you know, Although I wouldn't want to do that to him. What a joke, though. I mean, the city of Memphis is such a joke. But got a go- black woman. Apparently, you have to be a black woman to be a police chief in a major American city today. But you know, it's, it's not. It's not just that. You go back a few years ago, and Black Lives Matter terrorists literally shut down. The Hernando de Soto Bridge. I'm surprised, by the way, that they haven't renamed that yet because he was certainly a great conqueror and a great explorer and a great man of the West. The George Floyd Bridge. (laughs) But they shut down this major interstate artery, one of the most important interstate arteries in the whole country, Interstate 40. I don't think that was an action. I think that was a test run. Well, so you had all these Black Lives Matter malcontents go on the bridge, the Hernando de Soto Bridge. It's the iconic Mississippi River Bridge that spans downtown Memphis. and that traffic up towards almost to Little Rock. Uh, well, going in that direction and to Nashville going in the opposite direction. And what did the police and the law enforcement do? They went out and they met with the Black Lives Matter terrorists and they locked arms with them and gave them an audience with the mayor so that they could uh, convey their it's demands. kissing ass. Uh, what do you do? Keith. Go to the I-40 bridge right now in downtown Memphis, stop traffic, and see if you get an audience with the mayor. (laughs) So this is what we're talking about, and this is what we're talking about with Jim Lancia. It's just, there is no law. I mean, it's it's like the Wild West, only uh, without principled people involved in it. This is just... Imagine a bunch of white protesters shutting the bridge down for some conservative cause and them not going to jail, which is where all of these people should have been. They weren't just shutting down the bridge. They were jumping on top of transport trucks, jumping on top of hoods. Just being comp- If you do that, you better bring your inner tube because they're going to throw you off the bridge and into the river. So uh, this is uh, that 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 goes back several years now in Memphis to let you know where the law enforcement, so-called law enforcement of this city stands. So I don't know. I wish we had a lot of cops like Jim Lancia. I'll tell you what, our leadership needs knee pads, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's worse than that. They're, they're, they're in league with them. I mean, that's all there is to it. They're not servicing them. They are them. Anyway, breakneck pace to start 2023. Uh, we mentioned all of the guests, the great guests that have been with us so far this year. And last week, a national news story was born, and it all started right here and with national-conservative.com. You hear the ads that we run for the Conservative Citizens Foundation. You can go to the website at americafirst.com, as you hear in the ad, or you can go to national... M-E-R-I-K-A. Well, M-E-R-I-C-A-1-S-T. You got to listen to the ad. I spell it out. But anyway, or you can go to nationalconservative.com. They are one and the same. So last week, we got wind from a friend of ours who has asked to be remain nameless, but he told me about the Sheila Jackson Lee bill. I call up Steve King. Steve King hadn't heard about it yet. He heard about it from me, who heard about it from our, our embedded sources. That's right. And so Steve King came on to talk about it, and Lauren Witzke talked about it last week. And then while they are talking about it, national-conservative.com, our friend Kyle Rogers there, writes an article about it. Now, I don't know if the article came out before, during, or after our interview. I didn't see it until after our show wrapped last week. But in any event, it was all happening simultaneously. Otherwise, so, it, it hit. It was a bomb. And it, bleeded. And it had ripples everywhere. I mean, we have Steve King on. Then Lauren Boebert posts the direct article to National Conservative dot com our sponsor 
and it gets like 8 million views, and then it goes national. It goes national. Uh, Tucker Carlson covers it, and uh, this is Tucker Carlson covering it, and you heard it here first here on TPC. Sheila Jackson Lee is famous in Washington for being the single most obnoxious member of Congress. Now, that's a title that, as you can imagine, has many contenders, but Sheila Jackson Lee stands alone. Don't you know who I am? She once screamed at a flight attendant in the first class cabin on a continental flight. I am Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee. Where is my seafood meal? In the 1990s, during a visit to NASA, Sheila Jackson Lee demanded to see the flag that astronauts had planted on Mars. <laughs> when gently informed that no human being has ever been to Mars because it's very far away, Lee flew into a rage. She accused NASA of racism and pointed out her membership on the, quote, science committee in Congress. Hold on, he's not done. Sheila Jackson Lee has devoted her entire political career, indeed her entire life, to a single cause, shrieking about white racism. That's what Sheila Jackson Lee does for a living. Here's a selection. Institutional racism and systemic racism taints and spoils uh, the way that America treats in one instance, African-Americans, and other instances, minorities. The dastardly impacts of white nationalism, white supremacy, and outright racism. Racism is a national security threat. Racism is a national security threat. Racism is a national security threat. Institutional racism does exist, and until we accept that, we will not finish our job. We will not elect a chief bigot of the United States of America. Our system is such uh, that it then allows Americans, people, to act in instances in a racist manner. And continuing on, continuing on. Racism, you see, is a national security threat. It's a national security threat. Really, Sheila Jackson Lee? Tell us how racism is a national security threat. Speak slowly. We've got plenty of time. But of course, she won't do that. She's got no argument. She's got no facts. She doesn't even have a sincere belief in what she's saying. Skip the break. It's absurd, and she knows it. And by the way, Sheila Jackson Lee doesn't want to protect a country she despises from national security threats. Why would she want to do that? No, that's not the point. What she's doing here every day is leveling a racial attack, a blood libel against an entire group of Americans while simultaneously pretending to be the victim of attacks from that same group. Stop hitting me, she howls as she punches you in the face. It's such a common tactic at this point, used constantly by Al Sharpton, by the ADL, by so many others, that you may not even notice it anymore. But it's still disgusting, it's still immoral, it's still divisive. And one more, one more, Keith. Racism, you see. Hold on, let me find it. Well, in any event, he goes on to... He goes on to talk at length about this so-called, what was the bill called? It was some asinine, nonsensical thing, standing against white supremacy, whatever it was. But it was basically, well, we talked about it last week with the congressman oh, and it has a, the former you know, nominee for United States Senate. Let's get down to the nitty-gritty. But he gets into that, and he got into that because, well, at least partly. And partly because of this program, certainly because of National Conservative, because they were the ones who wrote the article that, Lauren Bobert linked well, to Brad Griffin brought up what we discussed and I'm about to discuss again. Why do we have a Taylor 
Lee like her. What's her first name? Sheila. Sheila Jackson Lee. Sheila Can you Jackson imagine Lee. if you had the last name Jackson or and Lee, Lee and you had them both together, you'd think that the – her name ought to be Mandingo. You know, that's it. But it should have been uh, Sheila Mandela King. Or Mandingo King or whatever. But anyway, what this shows, why? how did a, a person like this get to be elected to the U.S. Congress? Answer, Voting Rights Act of 1965. That's where all of these congressmen and congresswomen that have had gerrymandered districts created for them by supplicant Democrats and Republicans to hopefully deflect the accusation of racism. That's how they got in there. It's a, they basically what they did with the 65 Voting Rights Act, they made it, they mandated gerrymandering for the benefit of blacks. You mentioned, you mentioned the great Brad Griffin, our good friend. Go to OccidentalDescent.com, look at the... Look at that! It looks wait, like wait, wait, a Warshock ink block. You which said is that district. last week, but go go look. You said that to Lauren Witzke, who, by the way, what a pistol Lauren was. Oh, and and yeah. Steve King, Lauren Witzke in second and third hours last week. That is top notch. Well, of course, we have a, we, we have a, another example closer to home. Here in Memphis, we have Steve Cohen. But go look at Brad's article at OccidentalDescent.com. Representative Sheila Jackson Lee defends the Get Whitey Act of 2023. Her district. Does it make any sense at all? Look at the, I, I can't even, Keith, try to explain this in words, what this looks like, besides what you just said. I mean, literally try to explain that picture. You got to see it for yourself, folks. It That's the only, like, it looks like an ink blot. All right, like but something. you said that. But I mean, but this, describe like the shape. I mean, what is that? It looks like it's got a Texas long, longhorn go cattle ahead, head closer to mine. In, in the uh, middle of it. Yes. And it's just colored around the edges. That's apparently. <laughs> All of the, all of the uh, black That's neighborhoods of Houston, okay? And see, what they're doing with this, what they're doing <laughs> is they are making us provide black people with totally, uh, you know, nonsensical districts so that they can have more black faces or more radical left people like Steve Cohen in Memphis serving in Congress. In red states like Tennessee and Texas, if our Republican state legislature uh, had a set of cojones, what would have happened is they would have gotten rid of all of these gerrymandered districts once they were allowed to do that by the partial repeal of the Voting Rights Act. And that's what needs to be. We don't need that. We have a razor-thin margin in the House, and we're behind the eight ball. We the Democrats have a majority in the Senate. Why We need to get rid of the Sheila Jackson Lees and the Steve Cohens and replace them with people that will at least not be uh, antithetical and inimical to the white Republican base. What is wrong with you, Republican uh, state legislators? You got rid of Jim Cooper in Nashville because he was a white Gentile. You can't get rid of Steve Cohen because he's not a white Gentile. You can't get rid of Sheila uh, Taylor Jackson because... Sheila Jackson uh, Lee. Uh, what, Sheila, Sheila, Sheila Mandela King. Yeah, whatever it is. Uh, you know, this. whatever it is. Um, but nonetheless... What, what, we what, what qualifications people. does she have to be in Congress? I mean, tell me. Have well, you ever listened to her speak? Have you yeah. ever seen anything that she accomplished? What, well, why why well, is she there? Well, I think she represents her constituency pretty well. She's got a chip on her shoulder. And he has no intelligence or facts to back it up with. I, I, I got to tell you, this is why I tossed it to you, Keith. You nailed it. 
you, you nailed what this district looked like. I could have never come up with anything that creative to describe this. But if you go to OccidentalDescent.com, OccidentalDescent.com, Brad, we should have had Brad on tonight. I'm half of mine to call him up right now, but I won't do that. But uh, go to his article, Representative Sheila Jackson Lee defends the Get Whitey Act of 2023. Not only will you see a picture of her district, which, as Keith said, it looks like the logo for the Texas Longhorns colored in with green in right. green around the periphery. And that's her district. It's that periphery around the Longhorns. We have a lot more like John Lewis, the late John it looks Lewis, like who the, died recently. Uh, he had the same type of gerrymandered district created for him. Then what sense does that Georgia. make? I mean, it's not even. It's not a, 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 a logical. Basically, shape. what it is. The only thing it is, they should have called it rather than the Voting Rights Act of '65, the Black Pandering Act of 1965. That's what they did. This looks like, and they're taking positions away in Republican red states that should be going to Republicans and white representatives that will represent their white base. Imagine. The V-Dare logo, that's another one. The V-Dare logo. It looks like it looks more like the, the dough at V-Dare yeah. with the outer margins colored in. That's her district. Anyway, if you go to that article, you can see the, uh, the district. And uh, I, I thought about playing a clip from this. So she, at, she is so pompous, by the way. She is just an insufferable person. She's not only stupid. <laughs> you know, what, what she reminds me of, I forget. What's her IQ? If you put her and Joy Reid's IQs together, what do you think? I think you might be bumping up around 100. <laughs> but uh, let me tell you, the thing is, the people that it's I forget who said it, said it's better to be thought stupid and to remain silent than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Well, that's what Sheila Jackson Lee or uh, is, and that's what that's what John Lewis was. We have yeah, what John Lewis? I mean, that whole thing, that whole bloody Sunday. I was on this Edmund Pettus Bridge last year. Went down to Selma. Uh, had a great I, I time, but just that whole it. thing was. Sh oh, I want to well, curse see, I, right I, now. I, I, I mean, I, it's I, a I hoax. I just watched it on the tape today, and they. Well, what like were, were you doing? Wasn't it on tape today? I don't know. I came across it and I saw it, <laughs> and you would have thought it would look like the St. Valentine's Day's massacre in Chicago under Al Capone. Instead. They just allowed themselves to be pushed over because they uh, wanted to. Create I tell you what, that was a, that was the luckiest crack on the skull anybody in Amer in, in world history has ever gotten because that got John Lewis into Congress. Well, he, he probably did grievous damage to the Billy Club that hit him. <laughs> <laughs> putting a brain like his in a skull like him. Uh, look, putting a brain like his in a skull like that is like putting a brass quarter in Fort Knox. Well, if you, know? you, if you have any question about it, let me make it clear. I stand with Bull Connor and George Wallace, whose son, by the way. You know, we revisited that interview with George Wallace Jr. back in December. I, well, we've I, been I, on I, the I, air so long, we forget some of the things we do. This is a very special show. Well, you know, Elvis has been in the news again. And I loved his comment that Elvis called up his father and told him that rather than being the liberal he's portrayed to be in this new movie about him, instead, he actually told George Wallace that he had a Wallace for President uh, sign up in the front yard of Graceland. Yeah, that's the thing. That movie, we talked about that. Uh, Gregory Hood wrote a fantastic article about it for Amran.com, where in the movie, El the new movie that came out about a year or two ago about Elvis, he's portrayed as this civil rights pioneer, and he went to the black areas of Memphis to get guidance and counsel, and blacks were his 
you know, guiding light. But the real Elvis, as told to us by George Wallace's son on this very broadcast, the real Elvis had a Wallace for President yard sign in the lawn of Graceland during the height of the Wallace segregation era. And, and called up George Wallace and pledged his support to That him. didn't make the movie, though. But anyway, back to Sheila Jackson Lee and Joy Reid. After TPC and NationalConservative.com got this out there in a big way, Lauren Boebert, yes, of course, she's the one who tweeted out the National Conservative article, Steve King. And by the way, if you go to that conservative, National Conservative article that Boebert tweeted out, there's a clip of Steve King on this program. Yeah. Anyway, so it got in the news in a big way. Joy Reid is interviewing Sheila Jackson Lee, and you can see it at Brad's article at OccidentalDescent.com that we've been referencing. And you, you've got these two. One's wearing fluorescent purple lipstick, uh, and then you've got Sheila Jackson Lee, and they're mocking Tucker Carlson, and they're mocking what they call the Great Replacement Theory, talking about how anti-Semitic it is for whites to say there's a Great re Replacement Theory. But as you said, Keith, you're dealing with people with uh, room temperature IQs. I, I don't guess they can see that if the United States, the population of the United States of America in the 1960s was 90% white, and now it's 60% or less white, and probably closer to 50%. Uh, yes, I do believe, I do believe that there is a demographic change there. I don't know if they can do that elementary math. Uh, they're both black. I thought about playing the clip, but I'm not going to give away precious, precious airtime to they're two both black often women. in air, but never in doubt. Look you at Joy Reid. She looks like a mule-eating briar. She's got her little white teeth standing she's smugly smiling and look at sheila jackson lee is up there with her eyes closed like she is just the best thing since floating soap these people i was gonna idiots. play a clip <laughs> our idiots i 90 60 percent is less than 90 percent. that's not a theory that's a fact uh but anyway I'm looking at them, and I thought about playing it, but you can hear black women on every other show. You're not going to hear them. I'm not going to even give a minute to replaying this clip, but you can imagine what they were saying and mocking Lauren Boebert and, and, and Tucker Carlson. They are often in error, but never in doubt. And so anyway, but you can watch it for yourself if you're – you want to suffer that at OccidentalDescent.com. And it's just hey, get a look at Sheila Jackson Lee's district. Can you imagine that we've, as a nation, have elected two stooges, you know, like Sheila Jackson Lee and Steve Cohen? Well, Steve Cohen's probably got a high IQ. I mean, yeah, he's not yeah, any well, good well, for us, but I don't he's know. He's bad, but look. Now, well, he's not the stooge. He's the one. He's, yeah, he's no, probably Sheila the Jackson one. Sheila Jackson Lee and John Lewis, for example. Okay, there you Bernie. go. Now, yeah. yeah. Thing is, these people have no business being on Capitol Hill as representatives of any group of American people. Of course, uh, John and Lewis if, has gotten his... Uh, Final reward, yeah. But see, I don't know how much of a reward it might be, but yeah, he, he's come, he's come before to me, he came to meet his maker. But what has happened to America? This madness, this mad spell that was put over the American people by the civil rights movement. This sanctimonious stuff. Remember all these changes like Brown versus Board of Education, integrating the public schools. That was going to bring in a new day of achievement for blacks. It hasn't done that. Blacks are worse off, whites are worse off, and America's public education is sunk from being number one in the world in 1954 to number 38 in the world today at the bottom of the first world. Thank you, civil rights movement. Thank you, liberals. Thank you, Jewish power and influence. <laughs> Keith, uh, I'm going to borrow an Alexanderism. When you hit the nail on the head, you drive us straight. <laughs> we'll be right back. We'll be right back.
protecting your liberties. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News. I'm Jerry Barmash. A Florida woman is facing first-degree murder charges after shooting and killing her terminally ill husband. Police say the victim, Jerry Gillen, was planning to commit suicide inside his Daytona Beach hospital room, but didn't have the strength. His wife, Ellen Gillen, shot him once in the head before barricading herself in the room while police tried to negotiate with her. They say at no time did she make threats to police or hospital staff, but she refused to drop the weapon. A report says Chief of Staff Ron Klain will leave his post in the Biden administration. Klain is expected to step down from his position in the coming weeks, although the White House is making no comment. According to a report in the New York Times, Klain's resignation would be the biggest staffing shakeup in the Biden administration since taking over the presidency two years ago. A formal announcement and the naming of Klain's replacement not expected until after President Biden's State of the Union address on February 7th, although the search for his replacement is already underway. I'm John Schaefer. President Biden is planning to meet with Republican House Speaker Kevin McCarthy soon to discuss the debt ceiling. This is reporter Julie Serkin. Speaker Kevin McCarthy immediately pretty much responding on Twitter to that invitation about a meeting at the White House saying, quote, President Biden, I accept your invitation to sit and discuss a responsible debt ceiling increase to address irresponsible government spending. No official time or date has been set. Illegal crossings at the U.S. southern border are hitting record levels. Customs and Border Protection said it stopped more than a quarter of a million migrants along the Mexican border in December. That's a 7% increase compared to November and reflects a 40% jump from December of 2021. In sports, the Kansas City Chiefs are the first team to advance to the championship round. They defeated the Jacksonville Jaguars on Saturday, 27-20. This is USA News. Paid for by government.com. Did you hear? A recent stash of $10 Gold Liberty coins from the 1800s has been found. These gorgeous gold coins are as bright and shiny as the day they were struck in the late 1800s. And less than 50 of these gold coins are available. Coin experts are calling this gold find an incredible opportunity. Call 1-888-201-7060. And you are guaranteed a $10 Gold Liberty coin minted by the U.S. Mint in the 1800s. But with extremely limited availability, you must call now. These Gold Liberty coins from the 1800s are still in uncirculated condition. That is history you can hold in your hand. To learn more, call 1-888-201-7060. Call now and you'll receive a free American Coin Collector's Bonus Package, a $40 value, free with every order. Call 1-888-201-7060 now to secure your $10 Gold Liberty coins dated from the 1800s before they sell out. That's 1-888-201-7060. You know, we like to do two things here at TPC. We like to quote polls, and we like to quote Brad Griffin. <laughs> so, <laughs> and in no particular order there. Well, there was a shock, and that is in all capital letters, shock poll uh, that just came out. 
Only 39% of Republicans say that Martin Luther King should have a federal holiday. That is nine points less than what Republicans thought when the law was signed in 1983. So that, again, goes to show you, ladies and gentlemen, that the white Republican base is moving in our direction. And people like us and the information we give you on the real Martin Luther King, as opposed to the myth of Martin Luther King, is having its effect. See, this whole thing about... Martin Luther King, it's just, you know, it's just rotten to the core. We couldn't have picked a worse representative to be the um, one, uh, a Nobel Prize winner, and two, the face of the um, civil rights movement. You know, they could have picked Roy Ennis or somebody like this that had a very, you know, relatively clean private life. But, no, they picked a plagiarist, a serial adulterer, a serial physical and sexual abuser of women, a Christian heretic. You know, in just about every category of his life, he was deficient. But that's the one that the left has picked to be the great hero of black people and the civil rights movement. Well, he deserves to be the head or the symbol of the civil rights movement because the civil rights movement, just like him, was rotten as could be. I got a little bit of nuance with you on that. Like, the moral stuff, yes, we should prefer people who are morally sound, I guess. But, you know, ultimately, I'd want somebody who wins. If Donald Trump truly got urinated on by a Russian prostitute, that wouldn't bother me a bit as long as he built the wall. And I'm not trying to be funny here. I'm just saying I'll take uh, a guy who gets the job done for our people, qualms and and deficiencies and all, than a nice guy loser like Mitt Romney. And I'm just being honest about that. So some of this stuff about King, yes, he wasn't a Christian. Yes, I mean, he was a degenerate. He was all of these things. That's not necessarily what should discount him. It should be what should discount him was he was not good for our people. And that's just all there is to it. He was not good for our people. And our people are finally beginning to realize that it appears. So nine years, uh, excuse me. When, 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 when Reagan signed this into law, 48% of Republicans uh, thought that it was a good idea. Now, 39%, even after all of the incessant Martin Luther King, Harriet Tubman, Frederick Douglass, we're Abraham Lincoln four, propaganda. We're now four years away from the magic date of 2027 that, <laughs> when his uh, FBI. I don't think anybody will care. Open. I mean, we're such degenerates no, now. Well, the thing is, he raped people. He cheated on his he, wife. He Nobody cares by, about that anymore. He, he was setting up other guys to rape to rape women in his congregation. Uh, but we all know but that. See, well, look, no, I'm not tired of talking about it because look, the problem is. This guy is the face of the civil rights movement, and he was nothing but a marionette. I, I, he was a puppet. Who he ran? Got, who ran the civil? Who ran King? Jewish power and him. That's right. I mean, Jews ran the whole the whole show. He they provided all he the money, and parts, all the, all the and everybody networking, else. everything else. They're all, all props. All the pro, all the sympathetic media coverage that he got. But that, that, oh, that, that, it was that, a lie. It wasn't just a lie. It was a damn lie. That's not the point, though. The point is that our people, white people, white Republicans, now are losing faith that this guy should have a holiday. This is Brad's quote on it. Brad Rice, as I've been trying to explain for two years now, we have gone mainstream. We have moved out of the edgy vanguard stage as a number of our old ideas, the Great Replacement, national divorce, white Christian nationalism, opposing anti-whitism, opposing continuing to fund the stupid war in Ukraine and abolishing the FBI, etc., have reached a new threshold of support since the George Floyd riots. We need to get rid of Martin Luther King Day. 
We sure need to get rid of Juneteenth. I mean, how ridiculous. We need to get rid of Pride Month. We need to get rid of Happy Holidays. We need to get rid of the whole stupid woke calendar and all of these fake multicultural holidays and progressive heroes. We need to celebrate white Christian heroes like Robert E. Lee and Andrew Jackson and Christian holidays like Christmas and Easter. Those are the only ones that should be, and not only the only ones that should be remembered, but the only ones worthy of remembrance. Robert E. Lee truly was a paragon of virtue. Absolutely, but see, look at this. If you look at his blog roll, Brad also has an article in there about Kyle Kalinske's um, uh, response to that poll where uh, support for Martin Luther King has gone down to 39%. See, the left thinks there's no reverse on this buggy. They think that once they win something, it's settled, it's over with. They're usually right about that, but so far. But see, you know, Right now, the truth is getting out about Martin Luther King. And, you know, we've seen all these statues going down to Confederate heroes. I'm waiting for the day when the statue to Martin Luther King comes down. Give me the first hammer. You know, it, when that becomes legal, I'll, I'll be the first one. I'm not going to go to jail. If I had a hammer, <laughs> I'd hammer in the morning. I'd hammer. <laughs> We're going to play that when we come back. Yeah, uh, we'll do it. <laughs> All right, but here's the thing, though. So 39%, this is the thing, though, I, w- I want to bring this up about. So we like Lauren Boebert. We like, okay, we like DeSantis to an extent, right? I mean, compared to establishment Republicans or or at least left-wing Republicans like Romney and McCain, they they, they seem better. But even Lauren Boebert and Ron DeSantis, amongst any other number of Republicans, Steve King didn't do it. Steve yeah. King didn't do it. But on Martin Luther King Day, they all bent the knee and pledged uh, subservience it's to like King. when the freshman class of congressmen but, uh, get in the flight to Tel Aviv, go to the Wailing Wall, have a yarmulke yeah, yeah, yeah. slap okay. on their head, and kiss the Wailing Wall. I too. don't even want to read what they were writing, but it was all just we we stand in awe of Dr. King. We want to live to emulate his example. All this nonsense, and it's totally utter. If there's one person I don't want to be like in America, it's Martin Luther King. But it's so here's even it's what they call ass kissing. Here's Lauren Boebert and, and, and DeSantis amongst you know hundreds of Republicans. But the Republican base is 60-40 against that. 61-39, to be honest with you. How dare the rest of the Republicans not mirror what their constituents So think. 61% of Republicans say it shouldn't be a holiday. 39% say it should. Uh, and, well, I and, like but, holidays as well as the next guy, but I don't want okay, to. Okay, give uh, us a day off. Give us Robert E. Lee Day. Because it used to be Lee Day, and then yeah. it was King Lee. Some southern states still celebrated as Lee Day uh, in conjunction with the, the federal holiday. I, I'm all for a day well, off. I, don't no, get it. I never get a day off. Let me say, in but, today's Republican Party, there are damn few authentic candidates for the next edition of Profiles and Courage. If it well, I'll tell out. you, Steve King wrote something on Martin Luther King Day, not, not any subservient, grotesque pandering. pandering to the fake memory of King, but something about, well, let me, let me, let me find it. Now I've got to find it now that I'm talking about it, right? <laughs> Say something while I find it. All right, here we go. I, I should have had this pulled up, I guess, but um, okay. What day was King Day? 16th. The 16th. Let me go back to the 16th. Okay. Uh, and he's talking about slavery rep- uh, reparations being a shakedown. That was his part of the King Day post. So, yeah, God bless you, Steve King. And and and, and, and we need more Republicans that, that, That's like that. why he's no longer in Congress, because he <laughs> dared to tell the truth. Well, he had 18 and, years in Congress. He had a good run. It was Republican. the emperor's new clothes. He told the emperor he had no clothes. And the establishment couldn't handle it. But guess what? 
we can't handle the establishment anymore. You need to pack your bags and go, folks. We need to get real people that are real supporters of the Republican base. And if they won't do it, don't let the door hit you in the ass when you leave. Uh, this is the first time I wanted you to keep talking. Were you? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, yes, Republicans, do better next year. Uh, try not to pander to King. He was no friend of yours. You know, I wrote an article some years ago. Martin Luther King was a conservative Republican, and this is this whole thing that the Republicans, everything a so-called conservative Republican stood for, he stood against, all the way down to economic and fiscal I policy. I the Tea Party Syndrome. All those Tea yeah, that, Partiers that, that was wanted it. a black guy on the speaker's dice, you know, because they, no, they they thought that no idea that a white man has any validity unless you have a black guy in the amen corner endorsing it. Yeah, that, this whole thing, Martin Luther King was a Republican. They don't understand, you know, how the parties flipped. And it's, it's just, it's so stupid. It's so t- Well, I'll tell you why it is because they haven't realized what we realize, which is that the civil rights movement was just as rotten as transgenderism yep. or anything else. Okay? And Martin Luther King was not, never was, and never will be a hero of mine. Robert E. Lee, Nathan Bedford Forrest, Stonewall well, Jackson, be. Charles Martel, John Sobieski, Caesar, I mean, uh, you know, I can get I can get on both sides. I can get on the barbarian side of the Roman Empire. I can get on the the all. Of the, we're all of that. We are all of that. King is none of that. King is responsible. Uh, Who was the barbarian leader? Versita Jarek. Uh, I'm mispronouncing that. Which one now? Well, he. Anyway, this. Odric. No, no. Uh, I can't pronounce it. I can see his name spelled out, but it, it, it doesn't mean anyway. But anyway, anyway, what has happened is that basically we've got inmates running the asylum in America now, and anybody that bows their knee to the civil rights movement tells you that they are deficient mentally. They don't know. if They're, they're either a flaming liberal in disguise Versinja or they Torx. don't understand what's going on. Versinja Torex was a Gaelic king and a chieftain of uh, what was the – the Gaul, the Gauls uh, yeah. during the uh, Roman, uh, well, but there, we're, I can go on both sides of that. I, I am with Boadicea. I am with the Romans. I am with all of them. They were all me, and we're all part of them, and they're all part of us. King is nothing. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. One more second. Antelope Hill Publishing is America's leading publisher of dissident books bringing you a wide variety of new translations and original works on every subject from the Spanish Civil War to the funding behind the transgender movement. Antelope Hill publishes books that mainstream publishers won't touch, full of information that challenges the political status quo and brings real culture to the reading public at an affordable price. If you count yourself as a political dissident, you owe it to yourself to check out the Antelope Hill catalog with exclusive offerings like Solzhenitsyn and the Right, the Open Society Playbook, Opioids for the Masses, and many more. There's something there for everyone, and new titles are added every month. Check out the catalog today at antelopehillpublishing.com. That's antelopehillpublishing.com. I'm James Edwards, and I want you to go to antelopehillpublishing.com. This is a battle, a battle between truth and deceit. A battle between forces that would enslave this country in darkness and between a media that wants to present you with the truth. We are being censored. America's news outlets no longer provide the truth. 
90% of news outlets in the United States are controlled by six corporations. The mission of the Epic Times is to chase the truth, to ground all statements in fact. TheEpicTimes.com Have you ever had great honey? No, I mean really good, all-natural, raw honey? Well, now you can, thanks to LocalHoneyMan.com. We can ship out our locally made honey all across the U.S. So don't worry, you won't miss out. Plus, Local Honey Man has so many different flavors, like Utah Wildflower, High Desert Delight, Happy Valley, and Blackberry, just to name a few. So purchase your delicious raw honey today at LocalHoneyMan.com. Well, and away we go, ladies and gentlemen. Here we are now, well into our first month of the new year. It always goes by too quickly. I could say the last 18 years have gone by far too quickly. It seems like Christmas, the Christmas season, went by far too quickly. And now here we are turning the corner on the stretch end of the first month of the new year. And with guests like the ones we have had all month so far, and including tonight, it has gone by uh, once again uh, too quickly. But then in this, our third and final hour, I think I am actually sure of it now as I look. This is the first hour of the entire year uh, that Keith Alexander and I have had entirely to ourselves. And so we're taking a break and catching a breath and catching up on some news and tidying up some of these loose strings that we've had with some of these uh, fantastic guests. And the guests are not going to stop coming as uh, we head into the remainder of January and on into... February, and then we get into March around the world. I was actually talking with a friend today. We are already beginning to fill in slots for our March around the world, which has really, I think, become my favorite uh, series throughout the year. I love Confederate History Month. I mean, obviously, April is Confederate History Month on TPC. It has been since our very first year on the air. Uh, but March around the world has just been so much fun to produce and to host. We We just started that about what, three years ago? And so we haven't done that for as long. And then just to have exclusively international guests reporting in from their respective ports of call uh, throughout the month of pe uh, February is uh, something that's just unique and still sort of relatively new. So I have uh, you know enjoyed that. And uh, anyway, uh, that'll be coming up here pretty soon. But uh, what's coming up now is something that Keith Alexander wanted to cover a couple of weeks ago. We just hadn't had time to work it in yet. So I was uh, afforded the privilege, really, uh, from Paul Angel and John Friend, both friends of ours at the Barnes Review, and they asked me if I would uh, be interested in writing something. Now, I don't really have the time to do a lot of writing anymore. I'm pulled in a lot of different directions for a lot of different reasons but uh, for the barnes review to be published by the barnes review yeah i would take a moment and do that so i polished up an article and uh, keith read it and it is in the current january february 2023 edition of the barnes review if you're a subscriber to the barnes review you will be receiving it soon if you have not already and keith you read it and you liked it and we put we put it up on twitter we put it up on our website tell us what it was all about well, it's a topic that Jane brought to my attention years ago, and that was about a little 
short movie made by Frank Sinatra in 1945 called The Street Where I Live. Is that what it's called? The House, the house I Live In. The House I Live In, in which he is basically cautioning some young boys who apparently think highly of him as a singer not to fall for hating other people, particularly Jews, okay? What this shows you... Exclusively, I think. Yeah, almost exclusively Jews. But see, uh, and it says that if you hate on that basis, you're a Nazi. Or stupid. You could uh, be either a Nazi or stupid. It's not really... It could be one or the other. Well, anyway, Frank Sinatra was one of the first people in Hollywood to learn that the secret formula for success in Hollywood was kissing Jewish ass, okay? Let's just put it quite that plainly. That's what happened. And he did it, and that's why he had a career in Hollywood. Now, he was not a daddy-o the way that he's portrayed, at least not. Let me say this. He wasn't a daddy-o in the way that Elvis Presley was a daddy-o. I've never seen pictures of him with girls looking like they did at Elvis. So he was... He's kind of a fake. What he did, he disliked intensely Bing Crosby and Elvis Presley. He disliked Bing Crosby because he saw him as some type of competition to him. On the other hand, same thing for Elvis. What it was, he just couldn't understand that basically singer heartthrobs have a shelf life of about 10 years. Bing Crosby was the top guy in American culture as a male white singer from 35 to 45 then elvis was the same thing for uh from 55 to 65 frank sinatra disliked them both thought that he should be number one the top banana but quite frankly both bing crosby and elvis arguably outdid him in terms of popular acclaim and for example he hated bing crosby because when JFK came out to see him, he landed his plane at the airport for Bing Crosby on Bing Crosby's ranch rather than Frank Sinatra's. Frank Sinatra was he was a sycophant, and he is the one who tried to uh, basically undermine the careers of both Bing Crosby and Elvis Presley. Both of them were better celebrities than he was. And he also got where he was by pandering to Jews by making movies like this that were basically a betrayal, a blood libel of his own people, his own white Gentile background. But he's willing to do what it takes to hoist his flag a little bit higher in uh, Hollywood. We need to remember that about Frank Sinatra, okay? He was a big liberal, at least publicly, uh, you know, he was not anybody that the rest of us ought to, you know, hold as some type of role model. He was not at all. And, uh, you know, he, what he did, he was the guy that found out and basically made it a formula for success in Hollywood that if you want to do well in Hollywood on either side of the camera, you need to learn how to ingratiate yourself and grovel before the Jews that owned Hollywood. So I have no respect for Frank Sinatra, and that movie that James pointed to in this article is Exhibit 1 in the case against him. 
You know, I never saw Elvis make a movie like that. I never saw Bing Crosby make a movie like that, but I saw Frank Sinatra, and Frank Sinatra had mob ties, and he did what he thought he had to do. It's not like they made him do it. He volunteered to do it because he wanted to get the inside track on a good career in Hollywood. Well, this thing that I point out, too, in this article for the Barnes Review that's in the current edition is that this was a communist production. I mean, that, that was not a McCarthy thing that these people were communists. They really were communists. That the wasn't guy that a slur. did the movie, the guy that did the song, they were both Jewish communists. Well, it was more than that. I mean, it was a production from top to bottom all the way through. Uh, it was a communist production through and through. And make no mistake, I mean, the message of the movie wasn't that people shouldn't go around beating up Jews. We don't have a problem with that message because we oppose violence against anyone. But that wasn't the message of the movie. The message of the movie, as I write, was that religion and race are meaningless trivialities. And anyone who disagrees is either a Nazi or stupid. Now, in 1945, that was a radical communist idea. But now it's a mainstream idea. Well, see, Jewish power and influence had the civil rights movement already on the drawing board in 1945. They did Jimmy Burns out of being named the vice presidential candidate in 1944 for uh, uh, Roosevelt. Roosevelt was the president. Most people realize that Roosevelt had one foot in the grave and the other on a banana peel in 1942 when Burns was asked by Roosevelt to step down from the Supreme Court and head up the War Mobilization Office, which he did a wonderful job at doing. But he said at the time, I will do it if you make me your vice presidential candidate, and Roosevelt said he would, but then he got enormous pressure from Jewish power and influence not to do it. Now, what happened uh, is that Harry Truman, who some people think was a member of the tribe, his middle name was Solomon, by the way, he was known to be a racial integrationist. And if it had not been for him, I don't think the whole civil rights movement would have taken off. Just think of what a different... uh, world we would have lived in if Jimmy Burns, a staunch segregationist from South Carolina, a very brilliant man, he was Secretary of State under Truman and things like this, had been the president from 1945 to 1956, rather than Harry Truman and then Dwight Eisenhower, the terrible Swedish Jew, as he was called by his classmates at West Point. That's how leftism, that's how the camel got its nose in the tent and moved us, white Gentiles, out of the tent and moved everyone else, blacks, Jews, anyone else, you know, anyone except a wham, as Paul Craig Roberts calls them, a white heterosexual able-bodied male. That's who is at the bottom of the totem pole, and it, the whole process started after the Jews got through thanking us for winning World War II for them, the people that got, uh, you know, <laughs> and then they, he, show, he repays us by basically working against us for uh, – you know, the rest of, you know, ever since the end of World War II, that we're still in the process of dispossession of white Gentiles, okay? So awful, so awful what happened to Germany. So awful. The, 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 the two world wars, so awful, brother against brother. And Roosevelt and uh, Churchill Only our terrible. blood was spilled in that war. I mean, we literally. Friend, we had a friend one time that spoke at one of our uh, uh, group gatherings, and he said that Winston Churchill ought to be known as war uh, criminal Churchill, yeah. and he was, and he killed so many. But he would not people. even entertain the idea of peace with Germany, who were appealing for it time and time again. And before that, in World War One, the Kaiser was doing the same thing, but 
Churchill had bought this, and uh, bossed. Well, what he thought was he was he wanted eighteen fifteen to be replayed. He wanted England to be at the top of the pack like they were right after the Battle of Waterloo. The problem was that Germany became a nation for the first time right after the Franco-Prussian War in 1871 under the gui- under the guidance of... Had Olive a fast Bismarck. rise to world power, did they not? Well, I mean, they by 1933, the first, they were the top they were, dog. They, they were the first nation of Europe back in World War One and World War Two, And England, It's the irony is that despite killing all of these people, Churchill said, I just love war. Well... Because of Churchill, England became the colonies right. by the sea rather than the first power of uh, Europe, which is what Check we hope out to have. my article in the Barnes Review, also working on a special book project with Patrick Martin and Michael Hill, 12 different Southern nationalist contributors writing a chapter apiece. Mine's due by the end of the month. This book's coming out in, in the next couple of months. I gotta get, I gotta get it, I gotta get it in there in the next 10 days. I gotta write a chapter. I'm really looking forward to that. We'll talk to you more about that. For Keith Alexander, our great guest tonight, Sasha Rossmuller and Jim Lancia, I'm James Edwards. Fast start to the year will continue next week. I promise you that, ladies and gentlemen. Good night, Godspeed. If Jesus tarries his second coming, we'll talk to you next Saturday night. Good night. You're listening to Resolution Radio, Radio, Radio. ResolutionRDO.com.